Recording live from Studio Chanteau, outside of Detroit, Michigan, you're listening to Scotty Freytown and Tyler Dean, The Outside Blitz. And welcome everybody to The Outside Blitz. I am your host, the fabulous one. Scotty Freytown, along with my co-host, the very uh, sore Tyler Dean. Oh, I, don't, I don't get a tea this time. No, you don't get a tea. I just getting right to it. I, you <laughs> just, I just feel bad for you, and uh, I'm the poor Tyler. And uh, as you, well, we we missed him for a few weeks, but uh, because of Tyler's sore voice from his outpatient surgery this week, we invited the delectable Dylan Kelly here. To join us. What's up, guys? Thanks for having me back. It's been a while. Yeah, yeah. We we were missing you over here. You did. We were. We just felt like you didn't like us anymore. I am so ready to talk about something other than preseason. <laughs> oh, preseason's boring. See, preseason's boring, but we got to go through it. True. You 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 know what what what's that? Uh, Robin Hood Men in Tights. If you got to do it, you have to go through it. <laughs> am I right? So no, but um, weird week in the NFL. Weird season in general, but um, having having some weird stuff go on. Certain teams are returning to form. We got to see uh, uh, a couple of guys uh, go off and kind of look like they looked like at the beginning of last season. And and then you got some teams that are still kind of uh, floundering. What are what are they? There's still a couple of teams like you got you got you got to say, take the Ravens for example. It's, uh, one week they look like they're the Super Bowl powerhouse caliber team. The next week they. Uh, Lay an egg, and yeah, injuries come to play too. But there's still there's a lot of teams like the Ravens. Just kind of like, what's going on here? And a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about them being, you know, yeah, after, a, after the Saints yeah. game, like, yeah. I, I said, despite and loss, I was excited this, for their future. But yeah. now it's like, what is this team? We were saying these guys look like Super Bowl caliber teams, or oh man, this defense is really really powerful. And, and yeah, it, I, I don't know what the heck happened, uh, just off the deep end there, but. First and foremost, we we got to go into it. Let's let's uh, kick this thing off in our in our usual manner. It's business as usual. Tyler, are you sure your your throat is going to be able to handle this? Yep, we'll start it. And yeah. see what happens. I, I figured you'd be used to it by now. <laughs> ah, see what I did there. Yeah. <laughs> but I'll, I'll just I'll, throughout the show, I'll just kind of talk as needed. Um, so Dylan, I might need some backup supporters. We're kind of going through some of these topics. All right. All right. Uh, well, kicking the here. Well, first and foremost, here are our scores from Week Eight of the NFL. First and foremost, we're going to go into the Dolphins and the Texans. The Houston Texans topped the Miami Dolphins, forty-two to twenty-three. Brock Osweiler for the Dolphins goes twenty-one for thirty-seven, two hundred and forty-one yards and a pick. Uh, Danny Amendola did throw a, a touchdown pass in that game. He had one completion for twenty-eight yards and a touchdown. Uh, Kenyon Drake, 12 carries for 58 yards and a touchdown. Frank Gore, 12 carries for 53 yards, so a little split up there. Devontae Parker, six receptions for 134 yards, finally comes out of the woodwork. Danny Amendola had five receptions for 43. Kenyon Drake, two for 37 and a touchdown for the Dolphins. On the Texans' side, Deshaun Watson comes alive, 16 completions uh, on 20 attempts, 239 yards and five touchdowns. Lamar Miller. Kind of blows up this week. 18 carries. Yeah, big game. Well, 18 carries, 133 yards, and a touchdown. Alfred Blue also saw some time. 15 carries for 42 yards. Receiving-wise, Will Fuller, five receptions for 124 yards and a touchdown before tearing his ACL. DeAndre Hopkins, six receptions for 82 yards, two touchdowns. And Jordan Thomas, four receptions for 29 yards, two touchdowns. But Deshaun Watson was the big factor there. Tyler, what you got for me? 
The Eagles and the Jaguars. The Eagles go up 24-18 as they go up to 4-4. Four and four. The Jaguars continue their free fall as they are now 3-5. Carson Wentz went 21-30, 286 yards, 3 touchdowns, 1 interception. Josh Adams led the team in the rush game with 9 carries and 61 yards. Um, so the running game is still kind of up in the air there in, in Philly. Mm-hmm. As Wendell Smallwood had 8 carries and 24 yards, and Corey Clement had 4 carries and 6 yards. No Jay Ajayi. It's a different story. Yeah, it's, it's definitely different. And now Avalor also had a carry as well. I assume that was probably a reverse type play. It was one carry for 14 yards. Mm-hmm. Um, receiving game, Jordan Matthews led the team. 4 receptions, 93 yards. And Nelson Aguilar had three receptions, 49 yards. Wendell Smallwood had 42 yards and, the, and got in the end zone once. And Dallas Godert. Goddard. Godert. You, you have trouble with that name every week. Dallas Goddard. Think of Gogurt. That's, I hate Gogurt. <laughs> uh, had, had one reception, 32 yards and a touchdown. Zach Ertz got in the end zone as well. On the Jaguars' side, Blake Bortles went 24 for 41, 286 yards, one touchdown. Blake Bortles also ran the ball eight times for 43 yards. Carlos Hyde had a rough game, six carries and 11 yards. Through the air, T.J. Yeldon had seven receptions, 83 yards, led the team at receiving. Dante Monkey had four receptions and 54 yards, but it was D.D. Westbrook who got in the end zone. What do you got? The Carolina Panthers go up 36-21 to as the Baltimore Ravens lay an egg in the middle of the field. Joe Flacco, 22 for 39, 192, one touchdown, two picks. Lamar Jackson got on the field. Four completions out of five. There, there's some accuracy for you, Tyler. For 46 yards and a touchdown, Alex Collins, 11 carries for 49 yards and a touchdown. Lamar Jackson did move with his legs a little bit, too. Three carries for 26 yards. Uh, Willie Sneed, five receptions for 54 yards. And Mark Andrews had four receptions for 31 yards. Michael Crabtree had three for 31. And Hayden Hurst, two receptions for 29 yards and a touchdown. It's over with the Panthers. Cam Newton. 21 for 29, 219, two touchdowns. Tyler Heineke, the former Viking, one completion for 13 yards. Uh, Cam Newton saw some uh, movement with his legs. 10 carries for 52 yards and a touchdown. Christian McCaffrey trying to get his legs back underneath him again. 14 carries for 45 yards. He did see the end zone one time. And the uh, rookie, DJ Moore, got a carry. Two carries for 39 yards. DJ Moore also led the team in receiving. Five receptions for 90 yards. Greg Olson. There's a name we haven't heard getting hot for a minute. Well, now that he's healthy, he's playing good ball again. Yep, four receptions for 56. He did see the end zone one time in that game. What you got for me? I'm going to let Dylan do Broncos and Chiefs here. Dylan, you're up, man. All right, on Sunday at 1 p.m., we saw the Kansas City Chiefs take on the Denver Broncos. Kansas City won this game 30-23. to <coughs> And uh, the big story here is obviously Patrick Mahomes continues to play well, 303 yards, total four touchdowns. He did have one interception, but that's no big deal there. Green Hunt with 50 yards <coughs> on 16 carries. He also had five catches for 36 yards and a touchdown. Uh, all around, that's that's exactly what you want to see from that guy. He's catching the ball, he's carrying the ball, and he's getting in the end zone regardless. Uh, Tyree Kill, only three catches, but he's explosive every time he gets the ball. And Sammy Watkins proving uh, his worth here on the contract, they signed him to eight catches for 107 yards and two touchdowns. Finally, his biggest game of the year. Yeah. Sammy Watkins blew up here. Yeah, out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. He hasn't done anything up until this point. So it's good to see him doing something with that big contract. I don't even think in all the score reviews you even mentioned his name. Not at all. No, he's been very, very quiet this year. It's been Tyreek Hill most of the time. So Hill, Hill and Hunt, because he, Hunt's going to come through the air as well. Yep. 
And then you go to the Denver Broncos side, and although they did lose this game, we do have a couple bright spots here. They ran the ball extremely well. Philip Lindsay is definitely proven to become their number one back. The Devontae Booker, seemingly out of nowhere, was their third or fourth back earlier this season with 78 yards on nine carries. He's obviously going to get a couple more looks going forward. And the big news everyone heard about, I'm assuming, Demarius Thomas has been shipped out of town here. Uh, so you see Cortland Sutton at the top of the depth chart. Three catches for 78 yards. Yep. This will help his development. Might, yeah, you might keep seeing him there now that Demarius Thomas is out of town. And uh, the Denver Broncos defense definitely not the same as it used to be. But uh, when you can kind of limit Kansas City to 30 points, it's not too bad. Not too bad, especially with the, uh, how hot Mahomes has been. So, um... The Pittsburgh Steelers go up on the Cleveland Browns 33-18. Baker Mayfield, 22 for 36, 180 yards, two touchdowns, one pick. Uh, Nick Chubb, 18 carries for 65 yards. Uh, Baker Mayfield also got a little bit of action with his legs, one carry for nine yards. Duke Johnson, two carries for nothing. Big goose egg on the board there. Jarvis Landry led the team in receiving eight receptions for 39 yards. Antonio Callaway had five receptions for 36 and a touchdown. Seth DeVal, out of nowhere, two receptions, 28 yards. He did hit the end zone one time in that game. For the Steelers, Ben Roethlisberger, 24 for 36, 257, two touchdowns and a pick. James Conner, 24 carries for 146 yards, two touchdowns. Another big game for James Conner. Um, Antonio Brown led the team in receiving six receptions for 74 yards, two touchdowns. James Conner James also got it done through the air, five receptions, 66 yards. And Vance McDonald. At three receptions for 47 yards as the Steelers advance to four and two and the Cleveland Browns fall to two, five, and one. And Dylan, what you got? Oh, oh, oh you're, you're back in the game? Yeah, I'm back, back in, in the game. game. Okay. In all right, that's all right. Seahawks and Lions. Seahawks go up 28-14 as the Seahawks move to four and three, and the Lions drop to three and four. Russell Wilson goes 14 for 17 on. You'd hope when you throw the ball 17 times that um, your run game did well, and, and that normally leads to a win. Oh, yeah. Um, 248 yards and three touchdowns on, the, on those 17 attempts. So good, good little game managing there by Russell Wilson. And, and shocker, here we go. Chris Carson in the run game, 25 carries, 105 yards and a touchdown. They did get it done in the run game. Mike Davis also got the ball 10 times on 33 yards. So between those two guys, that's 35 carries. Yep. And, and through the year, David Moore, four receptions, 97 yards and a touchdown. Ed Dixon, two receptions, 54 yards, and a touchdown. A name we haven't heard in a minute. Yeah. And Tyler Lockett, two receptions, 34 yards, and a touchdown. On the Lions side, Matt Stafford goes 27 to 40, 310 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. Not, not a bad game there but by Matt Stafford there. Um, Kerryon Johnson struggled in the run game, eight carries and 22 yards. Um, a bit, bit of a down, bit, bit down from his uh, blow-up game a couple games ago. He, he's been on fire the last few weeks. Oh yeah, and we'll be talking about that at length moving forward here. And uh, in the receiving game, Marvin Jones, seven receptions, 117 yards, and two touchdowns. Oh, absolutely, he had a big game. But Carryon Johnson did get it done through the air on six receptions on 69 yards. So he's still there. Just I think the run game as a whole just was a bit of a struggle this week. And. Uh, the now former Lion, Golden Tate, seven receptions and 50 yards. What do you got? The Cincinnati Bengals win a nail-biter with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 37-34. Uh, Jameis Winston, 18 for 35, 276, one touchdown, four interceptions. After he, and then he gets pulled, and Ryan Fitzpatrick goes 11 for 15, 194, 
and two touchdowns. Peyton Barber blew up in this game, 19 carries for 85 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Winston also had some movement with his legs, three carries for 18 yards. Uh, Receiving-wise, Mike Evans had a heck of a game, six receptions, 179 yards and a touchdown. Adam Humphreys had seven for 76. O.J. Howard had four for 68 and a touchdown. Deshaun Jackson, three for 68 and a touchdown. So they're spreading the ball out over there in Tampa Bay. Uh, for the Bengals, Andy Dalton, 21 for 34, 280 yards, two touchdowns. Didn't throw a pick in that game. Joe Mixon kind of blew up today or this week, 123 yards on 21 carries. He's been, he's been pretty good since he came back off injury. He got injured a few weeks back. He was out for about four or five weeks. But he started to tip, tear it up. Yeah, he's coming alive. He had two touchdowns in that game. Tyler Boyd. Nine receptions, 138 yards. This is a guy we I consistently, strong yeah. Every every single game we're hearing about Tyler Boyd, and he's actually been outperforming AJ Green. Nine receptions, 138 yards, and a touchdown. AJ Green had five receptions for 76 and a touchdown. I think you're seeing Tyler Boyd start becoming the, the deep ball guy there, and that's that's kind of what we're we're noticing uh, moving forward. Which I mean, which is is kind of to be expected. In, AJ, not to say AJ Green's old, but as you start to get older, your speed starts to go down a little bit. So AJ Green is starting to turn to more of a uh, traditional one. Yeah, and that's um, okay. Yeah, and no Tyler Eifert uh, this season. Yeah, that's another big yeah, factor. So they've, they've been using, a, they've been going back and forth between those two tight ends. Yeah. So um, and but the uh, Cincinnati Bengals down the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the last minutes of that game. And uh, Dylan, what you got? All right, we got the Chicago Bears defending their home field against the New York Jets, winning 24 to 10. In a game, the Chicago Bears have kind of been cruise control all day. Did a nice beak and dunk offense, getting down the field, and they spread the ball well in that way, while also pacing with their running backs, Jordan Howard, 81 yards on 22 carries and a touchdown. But this is what really keeps the drives alive. When you got Mitch Trubisky, six carries, 51 yards. Tariq Cohen changing the pace, five carries, 40 yards. These guys kept those drives alive, and the Bears really grinded out the Jets here. On the Jets' side, you see Sam Darnold's going 14 for 29, 153 yards and a touchdown. But uh, not really much to mention uh, defensively for them. Um, they gave up 24 points, and uh, the Bears really dominated them, and we can call that NFC North leaders right now. No doubt. No doubt. Um, the Washington Redskins down the New York Giants 20-13. Uh, Alex Smith, 20 for 32, 178 yards and a touchdown. Adrian Peterson, old man AD, 26 carries, 149 yards and a touchdown. Josh Doxson had five receptions for 49 yards. Jordan Reed had seven receptions for 38 yards. And Paul Richardson had two for 34. Adrian Peterson also got in the end zone through the air on one reception for seven yards. So big game for Adrian Peterson. Over with the Giants, Eli Manning, 30 for 47. 47 passes, holy smokes. 316 yards, a touchdown, and two picks. I will say, I mean, for 47 passes, 30 completions is not too, too shabby. Bad. Not too shabby. Saquon Barkley had 13 carries for 38 yards, comes back down to earth. Odell Beckham, eight receptions for 136 yards. Saquon had nine for 73 through the air. Benny Fowler, four for 48. And Evan Ingram had five for 25 and a touchdown in that game as the Washington Redskins, well, I won't say dominate, but uh, really beat up on the New York Giants on the ground, 20-13. I do want to uh, put a little uh, shining light on the Washington Redskins pass rush for seven sacks, total sacks. Yes, their defense their defense all year has been impressive. Their defense has been really something to it's be It's been quietly a top-five defense. Anybody yeah. who plays the Giants is a good 
<laughs> well, I, th that's the thing. It's not just anybody that plays the Giants, but the Washington Redskins have been looking very good all year long. They've been a top defense all year, and uh, very quietly at that. So I've been I've been impressed with Washington. And yeah, the, the, and the other quiet, good ball. defense. You don't really, I mean, Redskins are at least winning, so you, they're, they're being talked about a little bit. But Titans have been fairly good defense too, and so have the Bills. Absolutely. And they're just not really being talked about because when you don't get wins, no one really talks about you. Yep, nobody really cares at that point. Um, got the Colts in and the Raiders. The Colts go up 42-28. Um, it's almost as if the Raiders don't have a defense or something. But <laughs> the, you know what we need on this team need is a pass rush. good pass rush. Do you think they need a defense receiver too? Yeah, probably. Um, the Colts could move to three and five and still very much alive in this division. Um, they're, they're two games back from Houston. We'll talk a bit more about that too. And uh, the Raiders drop to one and six. Rough Ouch. start there. Ouch. Andrew Luck has a has a, has a pretty good game. Goes 22 for 31, 239 yards, three touchdowns. Marlon Mack, 25 carries, 132 yards, two touchdowns. Naeem Hines also had 11 carries and 78 yards, a great 7.1 average. So the running game was on fire this week yeah, for the Colts. Definitely moving. Um, through the air, Jack Doyle led the team, six receptions, 70 yards, and a touchdown. Dontrell Inman had six receptions, 52 yards, and Eric Ebron got in the end zone again. He's proven that he's, he's over, here to play. And over and over and over. Even with Jack Doyle back, he still gets his his, uh, his yards. Um, three receptions, 37 yards, and a touchdown. And Mo Ali Cox also got in the end zone for the Colts. On the Raiders' side, Derek Carr also has a fairly good game. 21 for 28, 244 yards, and three touchdowns. Showing that he's not the problem there. He just, there's just a lot of other issues. The man is there. doing everything he can at this point. Exactly. He really is. Yeah, and I, I love Derek Carr. I just hope they can get him the help he needs. Or trade him so he can be the all-star he's, he's capable of being. Mm -hmm. Which is too late now. But Anyway, um, running game. Doug Martin coming in for the uh, now on injured reserve Marshawn Lynch. Goes 13 carries, 72 yards. It's 5.5 average. So good, good day there for Doug Martin. Um, but I, they, they got behind early, so it was, it was a matter of time for the running game was just going to stop. Um, Jalen Richard also had two carries and 14 yards. Jared Cook led the team, four receptions, 74 yards, and a touchdown. Jalen Richard also had 50 yards through the air. And Seth Roberts had 42 yards and a touchdown. And Brandon LaFell, there's another name, um, he had 39 yards and a touchdown as well. What do you got? Oh, boy, the uh, Arizona Cardinals Squeaked by the San Francisco 49ers, 18 to 15. Uh, C.J. Bethard, 14 for 28, 190 yards and a touchdown. Matt Breida, 16 carries for 42 yards uh, upon his return, kind of coming back down to earth from that early season uh, big start. Uh, Kendrick Bourne, seven receptions for 71 yards. George Kittle, five receptions for 57. And Marquise Goodwin had one big catch for 55 yards and a touchdown for the Cardinals. Josh Rosen, 23 for 40, 252 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. Uh, David Johnson, 16 carries for 59 yards. And uh, receiving-wise, Larry Fitzgerald. That's a, he hasn't been big all year long. Larry Fitzgerald, eight receptions for 102 yards and a touchdown. Christian Kirk, continuing that really solid campaign, three receptions, 42 yards, he gets in the end zone. David Johnson also saw some action through the air, four receptions for 41 yards on that game. Uh, Dylan hit me. All right, we had what was billed as America's Game of the Week on Fox. It was the Los Angeles Rams taking on the Green Bay Packers, and we were not disappointed. It was a fairly competitive game, and we may have been robbed of another Aaron Rodgers comeback. 
when Ty Montgomery carried a kickoff out of the end zone and was stripped on that return, giving the ball back to the Los Angeles Rams, and the ball never got back in Aaron Rodgers' hands. They hung on for a 29-27 win. Aaron Rodgers, 18-30, 286 yards in the touchdown. Aaron Jones has uh, definitely proved to be the number one back in Green Bay with 86 yards of 12 carries for a touchdown. He's average over seven yards carries for the season. Devontae Adams continues to be an elite receiver in Green Bay. Five receptions for 133 yards. And the defense played surprisingly well against St. Louis, or Los Angeles. St. Louis, huh? See, he's, he's acting like me these days. Yeah, if I, if I had more energy, I, I, I'd give you shit for it. <laughs> On the Rams offensive side, they have the most fun offensive lead. You have Jared Goff, 295 yards and three touchdowns. But Todd Gurley still adding 114 yards on the ground, so they're good through the air and on the ground. Todd Gurley leading the team with six receptions of 81 yards for the touchdown. And I will say, he should have had another touchdown as well, but yep. in the game there, he, they just chose to put the game in under wraps. So in, in my book, he has two touchdowns, but... Well, right. yeah, but I digress. Yeah. <laughs> he made the unselfish place of going into the end, so he dropped himself down and uh, didn't play for any more yards, kept the clock rolling, and they were able to seal the victory. Robert Woods, five catches, 70 yards. Brandon Cooks, three catches, 74 yards. So fun to watch, and they remain undefeated at 8 and 0. Yuck. Yep. Up, up until Cup went down, they, they had um, by far the best 1 2 3 receiver duo in the league. But now they're competing with the like, best duos, and there's, there's a lot of good duos. Oh, yeah, no doubt. And uh, speaking of those duos, the New Orleans Saints defeat the Minnesota Vikings 30 to 20. Uh, the Saints go to 6-1 and one on the year. The Vikings go to 4-3-1. and one. Drew Brees, 18 for 23. Now I'm going to point something out. I'm over here looking at this game. Uh, you're not fooling anybody, Google, okay? I know you're trying to protect pretty boy Drew Brees here, but he had 126 yards on the day. One touchdown, one interception. Drew Brees has a very human game, very lackluster game against a very good Vikings defense. Taysom Hill, one, uh, one pass for 44 yards on the day. It was a big one. Um, Mark Ingram. 13 carries for 63 yards, no touchdowns. Alvin Kamara had 13 for 45. He did hit the end zone, though. Um, Michael Thomas, five receptions, 81 yards. Alvin Kamara had seven receptions for 31 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Mark Ingram also had three receptions through the air for 29 yards. On the Vikings side, Kirk Cousins, another big game for him, 31 for 41, 359, two touchdowns and a pick. Latavius Murray getting it done on the ground, 13 carries for 56 yards. He did hit the end zone once. Adam Thielen also had a run on the game, one carry for 15 yards. Uh, Receiving-wise, Stephon Diggs led the team, 10 receptions for 119 yards and a touchdown. Adam Thielen, 7 receptions for 103 and a touchdown as well. And Adam Thielen uh, continues his record-breaking streak here, uh, defeating Charlie Hennigan's record. He was on fire. Yep. And uh, last but not least... All right, Monday Night Football. All right, oversized potatoes, give it. <laughs> uh, New England Patriots take, um, take out the Buffalo Bills in the division game. They win 25-6. to Patriots move to 6-2, um, getting back to Donna after, after a rough start. To the season. I believe they started off, what, 1-2? Yep. yep. So since they started 1-2, they've won five straight. Cordell Patterson, let him in carries. What the hell? <laughs> What, yeah, what's this team? He's a speedster, man. The Bills are now two and six. Tom Brady goes twenty-nine to forty-five, three hundred twenty-four yards. Sounds like a great game until you realize he did not get in the end zone. Nope. Um, on the ground, uh, Cordell Patterson, as Dylan said, led the team in rushing, ten carries and thirty-eight yards. 
James White had uh, eight carries and 15 yards and a touchdown. Uh, and then Julian Edelman had two carries for 13 yards. We're talking about what would happen when uh, Sony Michael went down, and we're kind of seeing that there. It's, it's running back by committee. Running back by receiver committee. Yes. Plus James White. Yes. <laughs> and James White really is more a receiver than a running back at this point as well. True, and as you're going to see here in a second. Julian Edelman, nine receptions, 104 yards. But it was James White with the most receptions on the team. Ten receptions, 79 yards. Chris Hogan had two receptions on 49 yards. And Rod Gronkowski, three receptions, 43 yards. On the Bills side. David- Josh, hang on a minute. Josh Gordon also had, a, had got some on-field time. Four receptions for 42 yards. And I love that trade. Yeah, Josh Gordon's quietly doing – he's quietly not playing as well as he normally does, but he's been playing fairly well every, every week. Yeah, in spite of having a very limited time to learn that playbook. So I'm impressed with Josh Gordon doing he, he's, he he's always been He's always been a boss. just a matter of uh, can he um, stay on the field for 16 games. That, oh, dude, it's his own fault, but – Yeah, maybe the king of the hoodie can get him under control. <laughs> Well, you know what Belichick does. If you're, if you're not under control, you're gone. We're going to make sure that he's under control. He sounds like Severus Snape when he talks. You ever notice that? <laughs> Anyhow, Tyler. Severus Snape mixed with the uh, um, Emperor from Star Wars. Yes. Yes, that's exactly it. Um, on the uh, Bills side, Derek Anderson had got the start this week in Josh Allen's continued uh, absence. 22 for 39, 290 yards in interception. Nate Peterman came in for two, attempt, um, two, and two for two, 23 yards. Chris Ivory led the team six for 34, six carries, 34 yards, and LaShawn McCoy um, had a rough game. It's, he's coming back from his from being on concussion protocol, so I almost understand it. Yeah. Having a rough game back, but he, he had 12 carries and 13 yards. And through the air, LaShawn McCoy did uh, um, play well through the air. Six receptions, 82 yards. Zay Jones had six receptions, 55 yards. Andre Holmes, two receptions, 45 yards. And Calvin Benjamin. Uh, two receptions and 45 yards tonight. We'll mention because we're talking about this just before we on the air. Charles Clay. Oh boy. Three receptions, 36 yards. He's still there. He might be a good fantasy pick. Yeah, he'd get, Maybe. You, get you six points on the day. And that's Monday Night Football as the Patriots put a beating on the Bills. Now let's talk about the Bills for a minute here because we did get a signing within the, the last 24 hours here. Terrell Pryor. Oh, jeez. Terrell Pryor signs on with the Buffalo Bills. Um... How how much does this does this help the Buffalo Bills? Um, I, I think he'll be cut by uh <laughs> really, but he'll make it through this game. He'll be cut by the next game. You think he'll be cut? Well, maybe not. They don't really have much of receivers. So they'll probably hang on. They don't have much at quarterback. He's not going to be the quarterback, Scott. Uh, how do you know? Because yeah, I know. I don't see him bringing a whole lot to the table. They don't have anybody. He's a failed quarterback as is. Yeah. Oh, I, I, that's the, he never got a shot in the NFL as a quarterback. He did like three years. No, he didn't get that much. He, he's been switching to receiver his entire career, basically. That guy didn't get a real shot. I mean, do, do, okay, I'll tell, I'll tell you what. Do you really think he's worse than Nate Peter? I don't think it can get much worse than Nate Peterman at this point. I think he's worse than Nate Peterman. Oh, gosh, come on now. I don't think you can get worse than Nate Peterman. Ooh. Yeah, Nate Peterman retired at halftime. <laughs> you can't get worse than Nate Peterman at this point. I mean, and, and Derek Anderson's out, okay? Josh Allen's out. What if Nate Peterman goes down? Do you, do you see Terrell Pryor trotting onto the field, throwing some balls around? I, I can see him throwing a handful, but he ain't going to start a whole game at quarterback. Well, so that's well, not going to happen. What if Peterman goes down? Josh Allen's not healthy. I mean, you, they, they're, they're not Derek Anderson. Derek Anderson's in concussion protocol uh, right I guess now. so. I mean, 
Well, what if he has post-concussion syndrome? You don't know. I mean, but you could very well see Terrell Pryor as the starting quarterback of the Buffalo Bills, gentlemen. Yeah, Jesus Christ. Would that be intriguing? Would that be an intriguing game to watch? I mean, we no. were we were intrigued by by are Baker you, Mayfield, you, right? Who, who are they playing this week? Are, are you intrigued I would be by a beatdown? Intrigued because they're already so bad. Yeah, they're horrible. I mean, how could they get any worse? I mean, they're playing the Bears. He's going to get wrecked. I, oh, come on, yeah. Terrell Pryor. He can move with his legs. He's a speedster. We saw him doing that. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say he's going to come out and be Tom Brady or something. But what if he gives him that spark? Nathan Peterman has never shown that he could be better than Terrell Pryor. No, he's never shown he can be a quarterback in the NFL, let alone at a college level. I have trouble seeing him at a high school level. Nate Peterman, for Christ's sake. You really think that Nate Peterman's better than Terrell Pryor? I just don't think very highly of Terrell Pryor. Oh, That's what it's more about. It sounds like you don't think highly of Terrell Pryor at all. Not really. (laughs) But But no, Nate Peterman's not... Much better. I mean, I, I mean, I guess if your options Nate Peterman or Terrell Pryor doesn't get much worse. I, I guess. Um, so the Buffalo Bills uh, did sign him. Uh, also on Sunday Night Football, we got to see some interesting stuff. We got to see the Saints and the Vikings. Um, during that game, one of the big stories, Marcus Davenport. This guy is not paying off. Um, out four weeks with a toe injury. Uh how badly does this affect that Saints defense? I mean, the guy, wasn't he suspended? No, he was hurt going into the season. Now he's hurt again. It's the defense is already not doing too great. I mean, so whenever you lose anything, it's going to hurt. I, 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 I don't know. I don't know how I feel in this season. He kind of came alive a little bit during that Vikings game. and then that, that game, but in general, he hasn't really been doing anything spectacular. Uh, I, yeah, yeah, I, I mean... He he's he had he had what two sacks in that game? Um, yeah, and four over the course of the entire season. Yeah, so I mean he hasn't been horrible, um, but uh, I mean so they traded up to get him in the draft in the first round. Dylan, is he paying off? In your assessment, is this guy paying off at this point in time? Um, no, especially if you're gonna miss what appears to be he's expected to miss about a month because of this injury. Yep, toe injury. I don't know if it's turf toe um, or a broken toe or what. No, you super toe. It, as long as the guy's on the field, you could say he's progressing as a player. But when he's not even on the field, you're never happy about that. Right, right. So uh, he goes down. Um, bad situation for the Saints. But the big story about this game, even though they lost. Um, Let's talk Adam Thielen. Um, he goes out, beats Charlie Hennigan for the uh, best wide receiver start, uh, 100 games or 100 yards uh, for the first eight games. Uh, ties Calvin Johnson for the um, – he's only the second receiver to get eight games in a row of 100 yards or more. Um, what's your take, Adam Thielen? He's, he's had himself a, a monster year. It's, 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 it's been fun to watch, that's for sure. I, who are they playing this week? Lions. Minnesota has the Detroit Football Lydowns. Um, I I could see that record going to nine. I, I think I do. And It'll certainly go to nine. I, I'm going to ask this question. I mean, this almost comes to play in almost every record that goes. At what point does a team uh, support a record and, and start going to a guy more often? And to, to make sure. Like, you saw, you like, Drew Brees' um, 500 touchdown or Brady's, like, you know the team knows it's coming, knows it's there. They're going to try their absolute hardest to get a certain player to a certain right. threshold. I think of uh, 
Uh, was it Michael Strahan's uh, record-breaking sack? It almost seemed like Brett Favre let him have it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's just, yeah. There's a certain point where, like, you close to a record, like, okay, he's there. You, you better let him have it. <laughs> but when it's your own team, I, I, I could see uh, uh, Cousins, as long as he's not throwing triple coverage, I'm looking for Thielen first. Right, right. Adam Thielen has had this knack for getting open. He's been doing a lot of interesting things throughout the year that, that – I just really kind of like, and and not just because I'm a Vikings fan, but because of the fact that, you know, this guy is is entertaining to watch. Uh, right now, I think there's no doubt in anybody's mind he's the best receiver in the NFL. And right now, yeah. I think he's the most consistent. Uh, he gets open in every situation. He makes contested catches. Um, when a ball looks uncatchable, somehow he's magically coming up with it. Um, he makes his way back to the quarterback to, to get open, um, which, which makes Kirk Cousins' life a little bit better because that offensive line cannot stand up to just about anybody. Um, it, he looks like the heart and soul of this football team, and, and God forbid they actually get Kirk Cousins a good offensive line because Adam Thielen will be all over the place and moving the, forward. The Viking, even with that bad line, they're, they're, they're what they got there, I, I'll agree that he's the heart and soul, but it's not like he's the only – it's not like he's uh, – like the only good guy. You got Diggs who out outdid him this week and has continued to have a great season in his own right. And then um in in Cook's uh, absence, uh Murray's picked up that rock and has been rock, rolling it hard. And so he, sure. that that whole offense to me is making uh, Kirk Cousins' life a bit easier. And Kirk Cousins himself has been having himself a good year too. I think the the, the offense has been rallying around itself to uh to kind of do their best to make the best of the of the bad situation with with the line. Yeah, the the offensive line has been rough. Riley Reef has not panned out at all. He's been now he's hurt. Um you got a lot of problems with with uh, Rashad Hill over there. He's he's you know just not able to be a starter. They they finally took uh Ben O'Neill and stuck him on the line and Ben O'Neill has been very very good over there. Pat Elfline is one of the most underrated centers in the NFL hands down. Um so I there, Mike Remmers, they, they took him from, from left tackle over to guard because of the fact that he was so bad at tackle. Um, I mean, realistically, the line is horrible, but they, he has a, Cousins has kind of a, a, a surplus of weapons over there, which is kind of nice. But the biggest one is Adam Thielen. And I think Thielen, to me, I, I just I love his consistency. I love the fact that he, he moves the chains. I love the fact that he, he always makes something out of nothing. The guy's always trying to... to outperform himself from week over week over week over week he gets in the end zone he's great at long at catching long pass he's great at catching over the middle the guy can do it all and he's really a beautiful story you know from a guy who is a a walk-on that's that's the biggest thing he's just a walk-on kind of guy undrafted free agent and uh gets scooped up he's 29 years old he's got three years left after this year it's two two years left on his deal and uh he's relatively cheap so it's a, it's one big thing he makes. Well, he's cheap for now, but he, oh, he's after, gonna once his contract's up, he'll be uh, how old is he? Twenty nine. Yeah, so he's still young. He's not gonna get no seven year contract, but it'll be like it'll make a four. Yeah, a good four or five year contract for him would be would be solid, and I, I think the Vikings are gonna try and make that move. Um, and they're gonna have a lot of cap space freed up at the end of this year. So uh, we're gonna start talking extensions for him <laughs> pretty sure. sure pretty soon here. I so, think it will uh, it'll definitely extend the streak this week, and uh, the Vikings will probably pass for like 400 yards. That's that's the hope. we got to remember, you know, even though the Lions haven't looked good or didn't look good last week, they you know, Matt Stafford could come out and be on revenge tour, you know, and we got to remember 
the Lions had a, just a couple weeks ago. We were talking about the Lions having the number one pass defense in the league, well, and they're still up there. Nevin Lawson and T. Stabor and whoever comes off the street to play corner for him this week have no hope. T. Stabor, I've never seen a corner move so slowly in my entire life. Covering the Vikings receivers. No, no. So um, with that, ladies and gentlemen, well, we're, gonna, let's, let's, we're talking about records. Let's, let's just knock out Adam Vinatieri. Okay. We're about records. Just knock that out. And yeah. Then we'll go to break. A- Adam Vinatieri uh, set the record. Um, he, he beats Morton Anderson to be the NFL's all-time leading scorer. Uh, kind of a fun story because the guy, you know. <laughs> was it just last week or the week before we had, he had broken the most field goals made or whatever it was? Yeah. He's, uh, I, 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 I grew up watching Morton Anderson. So I, I loved watching Morton Anderson all those years, even when he uh, he eliminated my Vikings from the playoffs in the the fifteen and one wide left season. Um, Morton Anderson was a great kicker all throughout his career, and then now you're talking Adam Vinatieri. We got to watch him, and, and really, I got to watch him all throughout his entire career. And uh, that guy's been just amazing. He was he was great when he played for for New England. Uh, he's been great for the Colts, and. Kind of using the uh, wrestling term from one of those years. He's he's kind of that when it comes to kickers and and like the three of us growing up, he's kind of like that last outlaw. Yeah. Um. You, like when you have like the Stovers and the uh, and uh, Hansons and and those guys, Acres. He's one of the last of his kind, really, because back at back in the day when we were talking about kickers, and we were talking about this a couple weeks ago, when we talk about kickers, and we were talking about like the Matt Stovers and and these guys, we always saw accurate kickers. That, that's one thing that we always got to see. We got to see these guys, you know, and they weren't blasting 65-yard field goals. They were blasting 40, 50-yard field goals, and that's fine. And a 50-yard field goal was like some ungodly yeah, thing. Yeah, just humongous feat. And, and we've, we've given up the accuracy and started looking for power, and that's why you're seeing all of these, these missed field goals and missed extra points. There is no finesse because when it comes there's, to there's only a, There's only a couple – Kickers that that um are like the now generation, but kind of serve that. Well, not, but now you got it, you're, you're you're looking for power and accuracy, and you only got a handful of guys that can do that. I think you're talking uh, like your uh, Goshkowski, Tucker, and maybe Bailey. But even Bailey's starting to uh, in the back end a bit. Well, but, what I what I'm noticing is especially and and it's funny that you bring up Dan Bailey. We were, I was watching his uh, a few of his kicks, and it it honestly looks like a knuckleball. It looks like R.A. Dickey threw a knuckleball, you know, toward the goalpost because that thing is just zipping all over the place and ducking and weaving. And I'm like, where the hell did this all come from? You know, they're all kicking for power these days. Nobody's kicking for accuracy. I mean, Gary Anderson went 35 for 35 in 1998-99. And, um, you know, I got to, to watch that, and he was the most accurate kicker in the NFL. And the guy couldn't kick, you know, more than – I, I didn't think he kicked more than fifty yards, you know, but maybe two times that didn't year. Didn't he kick barefoot at one point in his career? I, I think so. Yeah, he. <laughs> but I mean, Gary Anderson was such a good kicker, and uh, thirty-five for thirty-five, and and you don't see that type of accuracy anymore. No, you just don't. Um, and and I remember when when extra points used to be just automatic, and now they're they're just all over the place. The the days of the accurate kicker are gone. Everybody's looking for power kickers. I love accurate kickers. Maybe it's just me. I yeah. miss those days, and yeah. Adam Vinatieri. I'm so glad to have one of the very like. There used to be a whole like half the league had like accurate kickers. Oh yeah, and now you're talking like it's a, like you're talking a half dozen of really accurate kickers, and I'm I'm thankful to have one of them. Yeah, I mean like we throw. I mean let's see, it was I got to see Fod Revez, Gary Anderson. I got to see um, uh, Martin Gramatica for a little while. There was very very accurate. Jason Hansen, you know, we got to see him in Detroit for for a number of years. 
We got to see Matt Stover. My my dad and I used to play fantasy football and used to pick up Matt Stover and Adam Vinatieri every year. Every single year. And they would always put up good points and they always be super accurate. Every time. Well, back when Stover was still playing, what is, was that before you were doing fantasy by hand? Yes, sir. It was. <laughs> it was. I and, and, you know, woolly mammoths were walking around on the street. Anyway, um, so with that, we're going to take ourselves a quick break. And uh, when we come back, we're going to be doing a little bit of around the league. We're going to hit up Tyler's top ten first. Yep, and we're gonna we're gonna get into the nitty gritty here um, with the uh, delectable Dylan Kelly over there. Uh, so I hope everybody's ready to rock and roll. We'll be right back from after a word from our sponsors right here on the Outside Blitz. At it's your time massage. You get all the benefits of one of the larger massage chain parlors, but in a more intimate and personal setting. With four years' experience, massage therapist and owner Amanda Yata's goal is to help people in a natural way, offering Swedish deep tissue, pregnancy, aromatherapy, and sports massages. You will feel better and have more energy in just one hour. It's Your Time Massage is offered in-home, Amanda's or yours. With the rates ranging from $55 to $130, you get professional quality at an affordable rate. Contact Amanda today at 313-686-4347 or online at iytmassage.com. It's Your Time Massage, a natural way to improve your well-being. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Outside Blitz. Uh, I am your host, uh, the fabulous one, Scotty Freytown, along with the delicious Dylan Kelly and uh, yeah, man, yes, and the the very uh, iced down, iced down, that's a good one, <laughs> iced down Tyler T. <laughs> Tyler, it's funny watching Tyler like strap all these ice packs to himself. I don't want him to fall. I'm talking. He is. It's, Pretty he funny. is definitely packing. <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> oh, <funny. laughs> oh gosh! So, um, we're gonna start it up uh, a little bit around the league here. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna hold off on the top ten, but we want we want to start talking around the league. It's trade week, fellas. Trade week. Aren't you excited? It's like a good old. MLB trade deadline. Yeah. yeah. We were just talking last week. I was like, oh, yeah, trade deadline's coming, but nothing crazy is going to happen because it's football and there's never crazy trades. But, wow, we got proved wrong. Yeah, we got we got trades. We got a couple signings. We got some wild stuff going on. And, and you know, I got to tell you, it was a, a really cool week because a lot of times at the trade deadline in, in the NFL, you don't see this. Mm-hmm. Like you were saying, you don't see it. Um, Major League Baseball, you see it. NHL, you see it. You don't see it in the NFL. There's normally like one, maybe two big things to happen, but it's this has uh, been crazy. Yeah, and and especially you know what's what's kind of weird to me about the whole thing is because you know in the NFL a lot of these teams are just go after rentals. You know they 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 go and they pick up a player and and it's not like a Khalil Mack situation where you trade for the guy and then you re-sign him for a five-year extension. You don't, you don't see that. A lot of these guys are just trading for a guy. They're in the final year of their deal, the final two years of their deal, and, and that's what you get. Um, so, and, and that's what we kind of got, and that's why teams are less likely to make trades in the NFL at the trade deadline because they're only getting like an eight-week rental. Right, yeah, they were, uh, these are like they're kind of trading for that relief pitcher that you're right. going for in Major League Baseball. And, uh, but the, the difference is, 
it's hard to count yourself out in the NFL. So there's not enough teams saying, okay, I'm out of it. I got to start yep. trading away my players. And to me, um, the trade deadline is almost uh, versus baseball. Baseball trade deadline is at a good time. But football, to me, it's too early in the season to uh, to be, uh, yeah, I'm done. I'm going yeah, to buy or I'm going to sell it. I don't know about all that. Do you really think that, that the New York Giants are? Now, now certain teams, <laughs> yes. But, uh, but there are a lot of teams that, could they, they win three games in a row? They're winning a division all of a sudden. So yeah. fun fun fact about this, and and we'll, uh, and I, I was reading about this. Uh, so the teams, the, it's an eighty eight percent chance if after week eight you're below that five hundred mark, eighty eight percent chance you're not making the playoffs. Ouch. Yeah. So that's that's uh, an interesting thing. So. Um, but trades were happening. First and foremost, let's talk to Marius Thomas. He goes from the Broncos to the Texans for a fourth and seventh rounder. Um, what's this mean for the Texans? What's this mean for Cortland Sutton, Sutton over in uh, Denver there? What, yeah, not the actor. Yeah, <laughs> I know, right? Uh, what, what does this mean? I mean, it, it's a good thing because we just did have Will Fuller go down with a torn ACL for the year for the Texans, so that one hurt. But they, they go and... and Quickly after the ACL tear, go and pick up Demarius Thomas. It's a it's a little bit odd because he's not uh, the same type of player as Will Fuller at all. Not Will a speedster. Fuller, not, not a speedster Will like Fuller him. Will take the top off. And uh, Demarius Thomas is more of that possession receiver. He's really thrived in the screen game for the Denver Broncos. It will be interesting to see what they do with him in Houston. He really is a chain mover. You don't really see and and Emmanuel Sanders for the Broncos over the last. Two years or so has really been the the deep ball guy. That's and that's what it's been. And, and Demarius Thomas has been a possession guy, getting the first downs, moving the sticks. That's what he's been. So I mean, he's not the same guy. Does does uh, DeAndre Hopkins take over that role? You think? I think DeAndre Hopkins continues to do what he's been doing, he, and he's younger. He's he's still very young. I think he's gonna he'll be he's gonna play more of that Will Fuller role. Yeah. Yeah. He's, they they both have really great hands. Could be a scary one two punch. Um, a lot of times we see these guys when they get traded at the trade deadline and, and they've got the, the eight weeks. Um, it's a very limited amount of time to learn that brand new playbook. So they're going to be used in a very limited role. A lot of times they don't pan out. So I'm, I'm curious to see how, uh, Demarius Thomas is going to play out. Demarius Thomas. Yeah, receivers, you typically see, um, at least for the first couple of weeks while they're getting used to things, you see them playing out a slot a bit more just to. They can do stuff that are that all teams do while they're learning the playbook. So you you'll, you can probably see some slot play out of Demarius for these first few weeks. Right, right, right. And a uh, big thing about Demarius Thomas is he's in the fourth year of a five-year deal. Um, next year he's set to make $14 million. So he could stick around with the Texans um, if they're willing to handle that price tag. They do have a potential out after this year. So you could very well see Demarius Thomas as a free agent. Um, yeah, unless unless there's some restructuring going on, um, fourteen million dollars is a lot of money to pay for a, a guy who, honestly, since the the quarterback change from from Manning, has been a little rough around the edges. So, uh, Deshaun Watson though uh, has commented on this trade now publicly, and he is feeling very confident, saying nothing really should stop this train. When speaking about their offense, wow, and they've won five straight. I mean, they're, they're, there's a lot of reason to be confident and, and uh, optimistic there in, in Houston. Yep, Watson is um, he he started coming alive here, which I'm I'm actually pretty excited about. It could be good things for Demarius Thomas. Could change uh, change a lot for him. Um, yeah, I think just a little little late for your uh, 
your uh, um, predicted potential MVP caliber season. I think it'll be more like next season. But it could be next season, absolutely. But but he's been he's gotten hot out of nowhere. Um, and, and this is not the Deshaun Watson we've seen for the first seven weeks and, and now he's, he's come alive. So I'm, I'm excited to see, uh, what he, he turns this into. And, and if Demarius Thomas winds up putting up big numbers over there, 31 years old, he still has some tread left on the tires. I'd say maybe about another three to four years. He's definitely starting to slow down, but I like this, uh, this trade and they, they really do it for peanuts. Really. They give away a fourth rounder, a seventh rounder for a guy who, well, just, you're soaking in that contract, though, that he, and that he hasn't really been living up to since he uh, first year he got it, but the last two seasons he's been rough. Yeah, yep, and and we also have to consider the quarterback play um, that True. that has been around. Case Keenum, not so much. Trevor Simeon, not so much. Um, bit's a big fall off from from Peyton Manning to to that, you know. So I. I don't really know how I feel about it. Not to mention Brock Osweiler, even though we we know Brock Osweiler turned into a joke. Brock Osweiler, Brock Osweiler has been a a very good. Um, he was a very good quarterback in Denver, and he did good things over there. Yeah. So I mean, Demarius Thomas had the benefit of Peyton Manning and and Brock Osweiler early career. So I'm I kind of want to see what Demarius Thomas go, does with it. I have seen Demarius Thomas be somewhat successful with Tim Tebow as his quarterback, though. So I'll give him benefit of the doubt. Yeah, it's a, this is true. This is very true. Now, more receivers were getting moved around the league. Um, Golden Tate gets moved from uh, the Detroit Football Lions to the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, Got a third rounder out of it. I was I was actually pretty happy with this trade as far as uh, Lions getting something for him and. I, I I thought this was a good a good trade for both teams. See, I am and I'm not. I'm I'm kind of with you there. I I think uh, the Lions did the right thing, uh, moving a guy out. I mean, let's face the fact: Golden Tate is going to go out there and he's going to garner, um, you know, a twelve to thirteen million dollar deal. Uh, and and the Lions going into next at season 31? at thirty one at thirty one year old. He, I mean, he is he's he's outproduced the majority of the receivers in the league. Um, yeah, he's he's put up a thousand yards consistently since he came to the Lions. Um, he was gonna, and that's what he was asking. That was his asking price, twelve to thirteen, and I think he definitely deserves it, regardless of his age. Now, it, I, I think that the Lions, when it comes to this trade, could have gotten a lot more. Um, and I'm not gonna say I won't even say a lot more. I'll say they could have gotten at least a second rounder out of this. I think they should have. Um, if Amari Cooper, the way I see this is, I understand Amari Cooper is younger, but Golden Tate has outperformed Amari Cooper over the course of the last several years. Amari Cooper has underperformed. He hasn't lived up to his contract. Um, so, And Amari Cooper gets traded to Dallas. Dallas gives up a first-round pick for him. Golden Tate, I understand he's older than Amari Cooper, but at the same time, Golden Tate has still outperformed Amari Cooper as a slot receiver. And, and a lot of people are saying, well, he's your number three guy. Well, I don't give a crap if he's a number three guy because he's playing like a number one. For sure, and uh, the, a lot of speculation there out there from Lions fans who are upset about not re-signing Golden Tate, and you can't ask Golden Tate to take a hometown discount considering he's played well above his value uh, of his contract the past few years, and he's got to go out there and get that money. He just can never realistically get it from the Detroit Lions and going forward, and this is a good move for him and a good move for the Lions. Well, I think a lot of, a lot of people, when it came to this trade, felt a little... Um... I guess uh, uh, bamboozled in, in a way. They they you saw Snacks Harrison get get traded to the Lions, and a lot of people were going, "Ooh, well the Lions are all in this year. Oh, look at that!" No, folks, you got to look at it like this. 
you, you got to look at the larger picture. You got to see that this team has 43 million going into next season. You're about to to give up 13 million to Golden Tate, and then you're going to have to go into the draft and and draft this new set of guys. At what point? Here's my question: At what point? Did, and I keep hearing this all-in comment. At what point did you think that the Detroit Lions were all in? Was it the point where they they said, "Hey, let's just give away Eric Ebron for nothing, let him walk out the door and go to the Colts and become a superstar"? I mean, really. And at what at what point? And then you, we're going to stick a, a bag of crap like Luke Wilson in as our starting tight end. At what point did you think that they were all in? I could have put a, a you know a, one of those those uh, leaf bags that were shaped like a pumpkin in the end zone and threw a couple of balls at that, and we could have said, "Hey, you know, there's your new starting tight end." I would have been more satisfied with that than Luke Wilson. Right, and the Damon Harrison trade uh, in hindsight is uh, the more you look at it, could be more of a he's kind of a cornerstone for the defense now, a player they didn't have to fit the scheme that they had for multiple seasons. Yeah, they're going to have him for two and a half years. You know, at, at what point did this look like a winner when you put a an undrafted rookie in at your starting linebacker or, or a number or a fifth-round pick in Kennard over there as a starting linebacker? And I'm supposed to think that the Detroit Lions are all in. And Nevin Lawson is still yeah. on the Detroit Lions somehow. Tease Tabor is, is still right. And then I keep hearing all this, this nonsense about, oh, well, we'll just bring in Des Bryant. Des Bryant is, is done. Des Bryant has, is, is done. He might as well just hang it up and retire. Des Bryant is a joke, and I don't want to hear another freaking word about Des Bryant, okay? But at, at the end of the day, you know, the, people have to understand the Snacks Harrison move was was a move for for two good reasons. Number one, you had the thirty two the number thirty two ranked defense in against the rush in the entire league. Your rush defense was awful. It was atrocious. You got nobody making second level tackles. You got to get something up there, and that's what Snacks Harrison is there for, and that's fine. And 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 they made the move for for like I said the, the next two years. They're modeling it off of what the Minnesota Vikings did when they went and got Linval Joseph. Period. That's just what it is. People have to understand that. And you got the, the I, I think they could have gotten a second round pick at it. They have to look at the draft as well. This draft is loaded at receiver. Loaded. Definitely. You've got a lot of receivers that are first round talents that are going to wind up going in the second and third round because of other positional needs in this draft. There's a lot of linebackers in this draft that are going to be going in the first round. And I swear to Christ, if they go out there and get a wide receiver, I'm not even a Lions fan. And I would want to punch myself in the face. That that would make me incredibly angry. I mean, like, what do you need them for? Go into the second round. Get get one of those guys that are going to be falling to the second round. A Debo Samuel, please, for the love of God. I've been talking about this guy for weeks. Debo Samuel is the real deal as long as he's healthy. Why wouldn't you go and get someone like that to play the slot? Makes a whole lot more sense. And you get to get the guy, a first-round talent guy. You get him with better hands. You get them on a discount, please, Lions fans, if you're listening, for for Christ's sake, just think about the big picture. Quit thinking about this good old boy crap. The guy's 31 years old. You can get somebody with the same talent that's 23. I don't understand. Can somebody explain it to me? I agree with you. It's it's senseless. Fandom. Yeah, I guess. I if, if fandom won us football games, well, the Detroit Lions fans would be, you know, top-notch. But guess what? I mean, these guys have been watching their team go down the toilet for the last 20 years, if not longer. When's the last time they won a championship? What, 57? Yeah, I think them and Browns won, won the last two yeah. championships. I mean, Christ's sake. Get a grip.
Anyway, more trades around the NFL. The NFC North taking ha-ha Clinton Dix from the Packers, moving him over to the Redskins. Um, Already scary Redskins defense has just got a little bit better. You know, I'm I'm as a Vikings fan, I'm happy about this move. As a Vikings fan, I'm thrilled. Ha ha Clinton Dix. That's one less thing I have to worry about in that Packers defense. But um, you know, Clinton Dix, we we almost saw it coming. He was sitting there saying, uh, I don't know if I'm gonna wind up being a Packer by the end of this year. Yeah. You know? Yeah. We, I've we seen him, uh, struggle in big moments for them. So uh just the way the Packers run their organization, now, this is no surprise. Yeah, it's it's not a surprise. The Packers, um, I mean, Clint, they they're they just got done spending a boatload of money on Aaron Rodgers. Um, takes up a, a huge huge chunk of their cap space. Um, and basically he takes up over a sixth of their cap room. I mean that's that's a, a huge chunk. Um, and you know Clinton Dix, he he's a very very good safety, and and they were going to be giving up a pretty penny for him. So looking at haha Clinton Dix, I think he's going to thrive over there in Washington, and I think Washington's going to give him an extension down the line. Um, and uh, I I like this trade, smart trade. Guys in a contract year, they get a rental, but he's going to wind up getting extended. And if he doesn't get extended, I'm going to call the Washington Redskins a, a bunch of morons. But yeah, no, they'll definitely extend him. You don't. In a lot of these cases, that's typically what happens is is they trade for someone with the expectation that they're going to sign on long term. And I see that happening. Yeah. And uh, the Packers, it seems like they're they're looking to clear up cap space. I, I think they, you know, we saw that very, uh, very obviously. We got to see that a little bit more. Ty Montgomery um, goes out the door from Packers to the Ravens for a seventh rounder for next year. Yeah, it's a... Uh... Ravens gave up Penny, in my opinion, pennies um, on on this guy and a guy that it's a uh, very low risk for what they give up and who knows he could turn around a bit and he could he could help sort of revive the run game that's been very lackluster in Baltimore. So uh, there's not a lot of risk there. So I, I a lot of people are upset about on um, this trade. I I'm not that upset about it. He, it I wouldn't be. You're not. You're you didn't give up anything for him. He really reminds me of a guy that I feel like never really got a great opportunity to flourish in Baltimore because of injuries. Of Danny Woodhead. Yeah. 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 Well, one one big thing about Ty Montgomery. Let Let's first. Is he even making any money? He's not making squat. Let, let's put it out there. He's making three hundred k. <clears throat> but I, I want to talk about what Ty Montgomery originally was. He was meant to be a wide receiver. Yes. And they, they moved him a running back, and he seemed to thrive at running back, but then they actually got a legitimate running back on the team, and, and he kind of got that job taken. My thing is that Ty Montgomery should be a wide receiver, and it could possibly make sense for Baltimore to, to keep him at running back for this year, but if they wind <coughs> up re-signing him, he could wind up being a wide receiver somewhere. Yeah, it you depends know? on what happens with that trio of, of uh, receivers they have now. Yeah. Michael Crabtree has been underperforming. I think we can yeah. say that pretty accurately. Uh, Willie Sneed's been okay as a number three, but but John Brown's the real story over there in Baltimore. Um, Ty Montgomery could be a good addition to this team, and, and Alex Collins, we know, has been underperforming as well. Absolutely. So we, we, we're going to see what Montgomery does. The big problem for Ty Montgomery is that 25-year-old attitude that we like to see. Um, attitude, 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 attitude. Uh, not obeying what the coaches have to say. Um, and that's the thing. If his attitude doesn't doesn't ship, sh- um, shape up, Ravens didn't give up much to get him. And if, and if and if he doesn't conform to the team, he'll be out the door at the end of the year. Yeah, the big thing about about his attitude is he uh, 
you know, and, and he really cost his team the game this past week. He comes out, uh, they say, don't uh, run the football out of the end zone. If you get if you catch the, the kickoff in the end zone, kneel down. He said, to hell with you. He takes it out anyway, fumbles the ball, and uh, the Rams recover. And he cost his team the game, um, had it out on the sidelines. Aaron Rodgers said he wanted him gone, and, and that happened pretty quick. Um, as you know, Aaron Rodgers, uh, <laughs> he doesn't play that game. So uh, <clears throat> Ty Montgomery gets moved over. I mean, are you happy about this move if you're a Baltimore Ravens fan? Yeah, I mean, whenever you, whenever you pick up anybody that has, has at least some potential, you got him for basically free. Um, what, what do you have to lose? I mean, if, if, if he fails – Big whoop, seven-round pick for not this season, but next season. And a uh, pick they'll likely replace anyway in, in, uh, condi- in the conditional picks anyway. So, really, it, it's not that big of a deal, and he has a potential of uh, helping out the run game. I, I like it. Right. Now, now as far as your, your Ravens go, um, Eric Weddle uh, came out and said that the Baltimore Ravens are an average team. Good. I'm glad he said that. Um, <clears throat> Weddle's obviously frustrated. They're sitting at four and four right now. They they should be a lot better off than four and four, given some of the losses they've had. Um, it's, it's a frustrated team right now, and this is a better team than four and four. Uh, obviously, they showed that, that the defense is very good. The defense um struggled immensely against the Panthers. Yeah. Um, this is a better team than they're playing, but they're playing so inconsistently that in a way, um, they they're playing like an average football team right now. That, that's that's what they're playing like. They're better than that, but if they keep playing at this rate, no, they're not a playoff team. I think Joe Flacco has has been playing some of the best ball he's played in yeah, a long time. Yeah, statistically he's having he's still on pace for five thousand yards. He's still on pace for record and touchdowns and low and interceptions. Yet, yeah. yet um, we talked about this earlier. Who gets the blame? The quarterback, and it's it's not Joe's fault. And ultimately, um, if they miss the playoffs, ultimately it's gonna be his head that gets kicked out of Baltimore, and it's unfortunate. Well, and uh, I, I think, <clears throat> and you and I were just discussing this earlier. This is one of the rare cases where we see the order of operations of uh, blame go on. I, I, I like to joke, and, and Tyler disagreed with me about it earlier, um, but particular, it's particular to Detroit, and, and I think Dylan will, will agree with me here. There's an order of operations for blame in Detroit when it comes to sports. Am I wrong? Um, I guess it just depends on what sport you're referring to. Right, well, in, in, for example, in, in football, what's the first guy who always gets blamed? Uh, the head coach, the quarterback, the quarterback, the quarterback always gets blamed first. I mean, let's just face it. It's always the quarterback and then it's the referees, especially in Detroit. It's the referees, referees every time referees are always the second, the second shot. And then we start talking about the head coach. And then we start talking about the offensive line for no apparent reason at all. I can't tell you how many times here in Detroit I've heard about the offensive line of the lions being horrible and they're not horrible at all. They have a lot invested in the offense. They, they've, they've given up the least amount of sacks out of any other team in the NFL. I don't get it. Somebody, somebody. <laughs> so, you know, Tyler Tyler disagrees on the order of operations of blame, but you're right in this situation. No, I disagree in that I, I think it's a 32-team thing wide. That's my that's my stance. I don't think it's a 32-team thing. I think, it, I think that is a, a very particular thing, and you don't see it very often – in other places like Baltimore, uh, Joe Flacco shouldn't be blamed for this. But he this. does. Yeah, he should. It, it doesn't happen very often, but it it, it shouldn't happen in Baltimore. Uh, Joe Flacco hasn't done anything wrong. People calling for for his head and saying Lamar Jackson should cut the crap. Lamar can't throw the football. Cut the oh, crap. Well, Lamar Jackson can't get any experience if he doesn't play. Like, there's a reason he's not playing. You know? There's a yeah. 
He can't get an experience if he doesn't play. Yeah, he's not going to play. Give me, give me Kaepernick ball. before you put Lamar Jackson in the game. Ooh, ouch. Ouch. Mm. Ouch. Kaepernick at least brought a team to a Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, I guess. He's a system guy, but we'll talk about more about that at another time. Now, um, but speaking of quarterbacks, Ryan Tannehill out again. Shoulder injury. Brock Osweiler wants a starting position um, permanently. Do you think Brock Osweiler should have that starting position permanently? No. Uh, I think the most ridiculous part about this whole thing is that Brock Osweiler has a quarterback that repeatedly is injured behind him, and he feels the need to have to come out and make a statement to hold his job instead of letting his play do the talk for him. Yeah, that's a good point. And I think that says enough about the state of yeah. his play. Osweiler did not play bad ball this past weekend. Can Can we agree on that? I mean, I I guess, and I, I know you're gonna put stats up. I can kind of look at it. Yep. I mean, two forty one. He did have a pick. Completion uh, rate fifty six percent. No touchdowns. I mean, he didn't play bad. He, I, I don't know that I can crap on Brock Osweiler. But before he started getting hurt, Tannehill did have his team at three and zero. Yeah. So Tannehill hasn't been playing bad himself. Well, I don't know about all that because Brock Osweiler just came in, you know, not too long ago, and I mean, did he have three and zero? Sure, but. Tannehill, he was starting to crap the bed moving in, wasn't he? I mean, yeah, but you're, you're talking. But Osweiler's been known to crap the bed, and <laughs> Tannehill brought this team. No, not last year, the year before he got hurt. Um, the year before, Tannehill brought this team to the playoffs. Osweiler didn't play bad against the Bears. He didn't play bad against the Lions. We gotta, we gotta say that he didn't play bad against uh, those NFC North teams. Three hundred eighty yards against the Bears. Uh, three touchdowns, two picks. He had a ninety-four point nine rating. Uh, two touchdowns, no picks against the Lions. 114.9 rating. I mean, last week, it, on paper, I mean, just because he didn't have the touchdowns, uh, it looks like a rough game. But realistically, he didn't do half bad. So you put a you put a touchdown up there, and I think that becomes a lot more of a uh, uh, acceptable performance, don't you think? Uh, with the Dolphins, it's just so hard to say. I think they're in a position where. They absolutely need to find a quarterback of the future. Yes. But they just so happen to be kind of in a position, uh, like we were referring to earlier, where they feel like there's still a couple games in it, so they can't tank the quarterback position to someone. Uh, I think Tannehill should start when he comes back, but uh, I, I, and Osweiler, you need to just let your play do the top. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I can see that. I can see where that. And then Dolphins are still second in the uh, AFC East, so that's something to talk about. Um, now, also, when it comes to quarterbacks, Ben Roethlisberger has a broken finger. Um, how much of that is affecting uh, Roethlisberger's play? Uh, do you think this is a huge deal for the the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers at this point? Well, it seemingly hasn't as they uh, put a good beating on the Browns this past week. Uh, it's the Browns. A team that they tied with earlier and, and has, has given almost every team a run for their money this year, mm-hmm. including the Saints. So yeah. you say it's the Browns, but the Browns have. This is the first time Browns have like definitively lost a game all year. Yeah, and, and now he he broke his index finger. <clears throat> non throwing hand. Yeah, so it's not going to matter. It, it, well, yeah, it might not matter. Uh, still, still a broken finger. Um, you know, they say they don't anticipate it being an issue going against the Ravens this upcoming week. But uh, it is something that, that could could cause a, a little bit of an issue. 
Um, we'll see what he what he comes out wearing. It didn't appear to affect him against the Browns, so um, but we'll see how that works. But as of right now, Ben Roethlisberger does show up on the injury report. Well, for the broken luckily finger. for him, he's not facing the Bengals because they're facing the Bengals. Uh, Perfect would sack him and then twist the finger. <laughs> you really, Tyler has a vendetta, and, and Dylan, you can vouch for me here. Tyler has a vendetta against Vontae's Perfect just because he plays for the Cincinnati Bengals. It's not he's been playing for the Bengals. He, the, 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 the dude's been in the news a lot. He's a we liar. talked about this last week. I think uh, I'm not a big fan. I'm, I'm not a big fan, and, and I don't think anybody's a big fan, but. Wouldn't you agree that Tyler's Tyler's got an extra powerful vendetta against the man because oh, he plays oh, for the Oh sure, but I mean he, he could play he could play for uh, the uh, Saints and I'd still say he's, he's Tyler a- Tyler yells at me for my overreactions, but then when when a guy comes up from his division, he goes into this absolute tirade. I didn't go on tirade. I made one sentence. You, you go you go on half hour long speeches. I just said that uh, he's a dirty player. No, no, like for example, here's a good example. We were talking about about. Uh, Michael Crabtree, he made my my forgetful five last a uh, couple weeks ago. Yeah, I wanted him higher. You wanted him number one. He should have been. No, he should. <laughs> no, he shouldn't have been. Absolutely not. And, uh, one other note here for Roethlisberger: <laughs> in his last four games in Baltimore, he has two touchdowns, <coughs> five interceptions, not gone over three hundred yards in any of those games. So. I don't know if the the hand won't be a reason for a bad game because he is notoriously yep. played poorly in Baltimore, but maybe the hand will be a reason he plays better. Who knows? Yep, that'll be a nasty one. Um, so also injured, Kyle Long, he's out six to eight weeks with a foot injury for the Bears. Um, <clears throat> this one's kind of a, a big one. Um, he's he's their, their big starting guard there. Foot injury. How badly does this affect Mitch Trubisky? Um, it's, I mean, he's going to be rushed a bit more. I think, uh, but I think Trubisky's going to continue to get the job done. Trubisky knows how to make plays with his legs. Good yeah. arm, and and that's that's what the one thing that I think is the, that could keep him alive here. Um, Trubisky's been flushed out of the pocket quite a bit this year, and I think that's why the Bears went and got him in the draft is because they knew they're going to need somebody a little more mobile, guy that can extend plays. Trubisky's good at that. Um. I think Kyle Long makes it a little bit easier for him, though. Um, this one's going to be interesting. Uh, he's out six to eight weeks. I think this one's going to affect that offense a little bit more. It's definitely going to cause a problem for that run game. Well, they have two. He has two very good safety valves in Cohen and uh, Howard. So I think that that, that he'll, he might utilize them to avoid as he's getting rushed a bit. But I, I think they have enough to get the job done despite Kyle Long being out. Unfortunately, this seems to be coming at just the absolute worst time for them in the playoff final. They do play the Bills this week. They should probably be able to sustain this blow, but then they play. I, well, the I don't Lions. even know that. I don't even know that they can sustain it against the Bills. Bills have a hell of a pass rush. I mean, they, the Bills like to bring a lot of those five-man rushes. They surprise some teams, sure. Yep. I think the Bears' defense should be able to hold on there. But uh, you got the Lions, the Vikings, the Lions. The Giants, the Rams, the Packers. These are the games that Kyle Long is going to miss, and those are key games for them. So uh, this is really season-defining. It, it is. And and uh, a lot of teams, like we were talking about, uh, after a couple of weeks, we were talking about how the Bears could take this division. And um, I think that's still a very strong possibility, even without Kyle Long. But I think it's a big loss for that offense. And I think it's going to cause a lot of problems for their run game. Um Cohen's going to have to to really step up again and, and be that guy catching out of the backfield. Um, I don't think they're going to have much of a run game without Long there, back, you know, pushing forward. So 
that one's going to be a really, really uh, uh, tough loss um, for them. Now, we had uh, uh, a couple of, well, first of all, we'll continue on with injuries for a second here. Lane Johnson uh, down with a knee injury for the Eagles. Um, he's out for several weeks. Lane Johnson is an all-pro tackle. Um, does this kill the Eagles? It doesn't kill them, but they're already in trouble because you, you, have, the, you have these Redskins who are at 5-2, and two, so they're already playing from behind. I think it's going to continue their struggles of what the Eagles have had, and that's injuries this season. It's just another dagger. It is. <clears throat> um, I, if there's one thing we know about the Philadelphia Eagles, they, they have this uh, very, I guess you could say, uh, weird offense where they're able to just adapt to just about anything, and they, they like to throw a lot of curveballs at you. Uh, this could be a, a big hit to them, though. Lane Johnson is is somebody who he was a former first rounder. High level player. Yeah, yeah, he's he's very high level. He he he's great against uh, the pass rush. Um, he's in his prime right now, really. Yeah, Jason just, uh, Jason Peters, their left tackle, his uh, injury status is going to play a huge role for them the rest of the season because what they like to do is put that uh, guy that I can't even pronounce his first name. Vitae, Big V, Vitae, and they like to fill in him in a right tackle. He has experience there. He played there for Super Bowl winning team. Mm -hmm. But when Peters is also out, they need V at left tackle. Right. And that's when he gets really thin at right tackle where they even had to resort to using their left guard at right tackle last week. Things are going to get a little dicey there. The The offensive line is, is really getting eaten up in, in Philadelphia now. Perfect time for a bye week. For yep, yep. So hopefully... Hopefully, for for the sake of uh, Lane Johnson, there they'll be able to, uh, and for for the Eagles' sake, they'll be able to get him back on the field sooner rather than later. Um, we did have a, a few other things going on around the league as far as signings, re-signings, firings, releases, all that good stuff. We'll start right off the top. The Jags signed Landry Jones. How excited are you for Landry Jones going to the Jags, and what does this mean for Blake Bortles? That, I mean, that should speak volumes of <laughs> that they're worried about Blake Bortles. I think everybody's been worried about Blake Bortles. <laughs> and uh, now you got Landry Jones, the guy who uh, got cut from the Steelers last year after sitting behind Ben for three, four years. So yeah, so you keep bringing in these mediocre quarterbacks, but uh, it shows that they're bringing in quarterback depth in the case they need to bench Blake Bortles on a permanent basis. Now, Blake Bortles, uh, we've had we we've seen a couple of four interception games from him at this point, haven't we? we we've yes, seen we have. You know, so I mean, does Landry Jones take the the starting position from Blake Bortles? No, uh, I don't think so. I I, I don't know what to I say. I mean, I know Cody Kessler's still back there. We got to bear that down. Yeah. We do. We do. And he did make an appearance uh, in week in week seven loss to the Texans because of uh, Blake Bortles' really poor play. Yeah, and, and Kessler didn't play that well either. Yeah, and according to uh, you know, kind of the Jaguar insiders, the, the Jaguars are pretty concerned about Blake Bortles' uh, health, um, cough drop uh, talent, and they made quite a few calls for guys like Tyrod Taylor, Drew Stanton, uh, Nick Foles. So as much as you, we kind of want to maybe laugh off the Landry Jones signing, he could potentially take snaps for Jacksonville. Jaguars. He could wind up being the starter in Jacksonville, which is just terrifying if you're a Jacksonville Jaguars fan. It's a testament to say how close their season is to being over. Yeah, and, and this is crazy to us because we were just talking about them eight weeks ago as a Super Bowl team. Yep. We were talking about them going to the bowl. 
I think a lot of people thought they were going to the bowl. They were definitely going to the playoffs. Oh, yeah. Preseason. Yeah, I mean, everybody thought, it, you know, this was going to be the Jags' year. I, I Man, I, I talk about a fall from grace. This is it's something very interesting. And speaking of their fall from grace, they also dealt Dante Fowler to, of all teams it was the Rams. to the Rams. Um, the, the Rams just have this embarrassment of riches at this point. I mean, it, I mean, you got uh, they're probably the most terrifying defense in the league. They're the most terrifying team in general in the league. No, they're the most terrifying team in the league. This this could very well be a, a sixteen and O team. Um, um, really? one, one of their last major tests is this week. Yep, they take on the New Orleans Saints this week. It's one of their their last big tests, and and really, I mean, Fowler, uh, he's been a bust in Jacksonville, but he is a great pass rusher. Yeah, and according to Sean McVay, uh, he is expecting Fowler to make an impact this week, specifically in run or pass rush perspectives. So. Yep, and and to me, you're gonna what uh, what we're gonna see out of Fowler, and I don't know if it's gonna be as much as uh, uh, you saw with like Khalil Mack, for example, but you're gonna see Fowler. Um, you know, basically kind of make a, a similar impact to Khalil Mack. I think you're going to, you know, Khalil Mack, I remember when he got traded over to the Bears, uh, we watched that Monday night football game right afterwards, and you got to see Khalil Mack just dominating. I, I think Rogers. the difference here is uh, <clears throat> Fowler's going to a team that's already pretty stacked with um, some all-stars, including uh, MVP um, watch uh, Aaron Donald. Yeah, I mean. Um, so I, I, he's going to make an impact, but it's not going to be as loud just because of how much noise is already there in L.A.? I think it's going to be loud. I think it's going to be louder than you're, you're going to give it credit for because what, what you're going to see, and here here's another thing people don't realize about Dante Fowler. Um, everybody keeps talking about him as an edge rusher and a defensive end. He's not a defensive end. Dante Fowler is an outside linebacker. That's what he is. So I don't understand why people are, are so concerned about him being a, a defensive end. He's a he's a pass rushing linebacker. That's what he's always been, and he he plays well in in three four. He can play well in four three. I mean that's that's what he is. And I I'm not expecting him to line up on the other side of Aaron Donald. I'm expecting him to line up in the backfield and pound through that line as a linebacker, not as a defensive end, and and you know sack that quarterback. That's what's going to happen. And you're going to see Dante Fowler. I think you're going to see him make a big impact. Maybe not as big as Khalil Mack, but this guy's an impact player. He show he he's shown he can be an impact player. He's 24 years old. Um, I, I if I'm not mistaken, he still has a year and a half left on his deal. I mean, this could be really really good for Fowler first of all, um, and it could be it, a, a huge impact game for the Rams. Am I right? I mean, oh yeah, it, it, it's going to help continue to bolster that Rams defense. That's uh. Um, up there, and, and they're they're definitely a top three defense right now. Yep, and and so the Jags had balked on the uh, fifth year option for Fowler as well. So we gotta we gotta bear that in mind. So Fowler is technically in a contract year now. Let's say you know we get to the end of this year. Do the Rams sign him for an extension? I think this is uh, definitely just a one-year rental, and they're going to let this guy hit the market and somebody else being the ones that pay. Yeah, I think I agree with Dylan. Yeah, injury-wise, um, you know, injury-wise, that's that's the problem. That's been the problem for Dante Fowler is just staying on the field. 
I think once Fowler uh, gets his legs underneath him, gets with the right team, and, and has a couple good years, he's going to be uh, uh, something incredibly special. Um, now, we did see a trade request, but it did not go through. Uh, Deshaun Jackson requested a trade away from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, what do you what do you make of this? I mean, does Deshaun Jackson wants to win? <clears throat> yeah, they, yeah. They, they, they can't decide who their quarterback's going to be. Yep, and we did get to see uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick start over uh, Jameis Winston. He, he, he Jameis Winston got the start over Fitzpatrick. Uh, Winston threw uh, uh, oodles of picks. Fitzpatrick came in, balled out, almost brought his team back to beat the Bengals. Um, they can't decide about the quarterback situation. I think there. I think the starting quarterback is going to change at least three more times for the end of the season. Yep, Fitzpatrick is set to start this weekend over over James Winston. Uh, he's getting the start. Um, Deshaun Jackson. He want, You're right. I think he he wants to win, and it is a frustrating thing, you know, not having your quarterback on the field, um, or or a good you know long term quarterback on the field. I think that's a, a point of contention for him. I, uh, I, I looking at Jameis Winston's comments. He believes this is a minor setback for a major comeback, and I don't, I don't see a lot with him. I have never really been high on him, but the way I look at it is, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have him on the line for twenty million dollars next year, and that's only guaranteed through injury. So if he does not play well this season, they could get rid of him. I believe, like Tyler said. The starting quarterback will change a couple more times. He's going to get another shot just to see if they're going to stay on the hook for that $20 million. <clears throat> now, Deshaun Jackson also has a potential out after this year, um, or the Bucks do anyway. They have a potential out on Deshaun Jackson. Uh, otherwise, they owe him $10 million next year. Um, Deshaun, I mean, 31 years old. He is a speedster. He still has some tread on the tires. Uh if they do, still playing very well too. Yep, and now so they do have that out from Deshaun Jackson. If they do take the out from Deshaun Jackson, um, well, first of all, do you think they will? Because they do have that option. Do you think? I mean, the guy obviously doesn't want to play in Tampa Bay. Do you think that they take the out on him after this year? No, I think they're going to take the out. They would have traded him and given his request. Yep, yeah, I think uh I, I'm not not to say that they'll ask him who they should go with at quarterback in this offseason, but they may take into consideration someone that can highlight his strengths if they look for another quarterback because he's already shown this year that if it's not gonna be Ryan Fitzpatrick playing quarterback, he doesn't want to play. Right. And he, he's not happy about the idea of <clears throat> playing with a, a Jameis Winston. Um him and Fitzpatrick seem to get along really well and he's he's really vouching for for uh, Fitzy at this point, he he was vouching for him at the beginning of the year, and now you're seeing it even more so. So um, yeah, I, I think uh, Deshaun Jackson, if he doesn't want to play there, don't keep him there. Get rid of him. Send him out the door. That's what I do. Um, and I, I I would have sent him out the door at the trade deadline um, at that point. So maybe that's just me. Um, a few other releases we got to see Brandon Marshall get released uh, early. So yep, we we were talking about that. Uh, Tyler was saying he sees Brandon Marshall getting released, and he did. Um, Lasted a little bit longer than I thought, though. Yeah, but yeah, he, he did. didn't really play much, though. It's not, so he wasn't really being utilized. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I think Brandon, Brandon when Brandon Marshall gets utilized in the proper fashion, I think this has a lot. But he is what thirty four, uh, something along those lines. But the problem I have is is Brandon Marshall didn't get the utilization that uh, uh, he normally would get. Um, 
and and the Seahawks kind of failed to use a, and, a very good and, big and they body don't have receiver. they don't have very many receivers. So I think it's, it goes to tell that Brandon Marshall has truly slowed down. Yeah, he only played two snaps against the Detroit Lions on Sunday, and a big win for them. So uh, you would think maybe he would sit in the field a little bit more. But yeah, he will turn thirty-five next year. Yep, and and that's a that's a big one. I his contract. I mean, maybe they they were only paying him a mil, um, so they they weren't really uh, uh doing much there um he's got i mean he he made a mill off of off of uh, uh the giants he made 100k off of the the Seahawks um he made about half that salary because he against with the Seahawks the Seahawks were giving him a million dollars and a $90,000 bonus he got a 1 million dollar signing bonus from the Giants so he he made about 2 million dollars this year regardless but um you know, just jumping from team to team. But I don't think the Seahawks utilized him properly. Uh, and, and they have kind of an embarrassment of Richards over there, too, with some young receivers. They still yeah, have David, done... David Moore has definitely come on for them as yep. a uh, surprisingly talented guy. Yeah, he had some big numbers against Detroit, and, and I actually picked him up in fantasy. Actually, the last three to four weeks, David Moore has been something pretty incredible. Doug he's Baldwin... has become the favorite tar- target now that uh, Baldwin has been out, and he's kind of gradually working his way. Yeah, Baldwin's been hurt, and, and then you're, you still have uh, the Tyler Lockett situation over there, and Tyler Lockett is a speedster as well, and he still sees some targets, especially in the red zone. So, I mean, you, you've got some young, talented receivers over there, some speedy receivers. Uh, Brandon Marshall is kind of, um, you know, that catching traffic kind of fella. Um, so, I mean... I feel like they could have used him more, but hey, what can you do? Uh, Brandon Marshall goes out the door. Um, we also had a retirement, and, and this one I'm kind of sad about because I was really partial to the guy. Dominique Rogers cromartie retired uh, from the Oakland Raiders this week. Um, he was good for a long time, but that deep, that Raiders team is just falling apart. I think it was just matter because, you know what, it's not getting done here. I'm not going to be able to play for our team. I'm, I'm going to hang it up. Yeah, he didn't want to be there. That was a big thing. He just didn't want to be there. Um, and, and I don't, I, I don't blame anybody who doesn't want to be in Oakland at this point. I mean, nobody yeah, seemingly John Gruden has come in and it's been a big time culture shock for a lot of guys that were already there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in terms of their motivation to play, in terms of whether they've kind of seen the writing on the wall that they're not going to be contributors long term. Um, cause this isn't the first guy to have issues, uh, in Oakland this season. Yeah, and <clears throat> you know he, Rogers Camardi's a good player. <clears throat> he still had a lot of tread left on the tires. I, I think he's he's just a talented guy all around. Um, he he didn't have an injury or anything like that. Uh, he he wasn't. I, I think a lot of it just had to to uh, do with the fact that he was playing for the the Oakland Raiders. Um, <clears throat> he had, he only had eleven seasons in the NFL, and and it seems like a long time, but it you know. I mean, at least he didn't retire at halftime. Um, but, you know, his, his exact quote was, Today I retire, today my NFL journey ends, and I thank God for, me, for keeping me all these years. Uh, a, kid with one, a kid with one kid and no college offers lasted 11 years in the NFL. I played in Super Bowls, Pro Bowls, and did many more in this league. I'm at peace with my decision. Y'all may not understand, and that's cool. I want to thank everybody for their support. Never forget Mr. O himself, yes sir. So <laughs> I, I, I don't know. He, um, I always liked Dominic Rogers Camardi. I thought he was one of the most underrated corners in the entire league. 
Um, I felt that way for a long time. It was just a mind-boggling thing to see him be, basically become a journeyman corner and go from team to team to team to team. Um, he had a really good tenure with the Giants. Um, I, I always liked him. I always liked him as a, as a corner. I just thought he was so good, and nobody seemed to be be taking the the shot at him. Um, they, somebody needed to offer him a big long-term deal, and nobody did. I'd be interested to see if he has interest in maybe switching to the free safety position. He has lost some steps uh, yeah. in the speed-wise, but he's always been a ball hawker, uh, you know, kind of secondary player, so maybe he could uh, evolve his game. He could, and, and there's a lot of guys that, that successfully make that transition from corner to safety. Today he said he retires. I, I believe that that you're going to see – I don't think we've seen the last of Dominique rogers Um and I, I hope we don't because he's a hell of a player and he's, he's going to be great in some sort of – in some secondary at some point. Um, you know, but how much of this falls on John Gruden? I mean, uh, he – so – Last Sunday, I mean, they, they, I guess his snap count was reduced to zero. Uh, he was limited to special teams. Um, nobody has any any idea why. How much of this falls on John Gruden at this point, losing uh, an all-pro player like Dominique rogers Um, I, I think this is kind of all John Gruden. Um, they're at the point where they're talking about, I mean, Amari Cooper's already been traded. Khalil Mack has already been traded. Uh, Derek Carr's. Contract is very easy to get out of. Carl there's, Joseph. There's a lot of change going on in Oakland, and a guy like uh, Rogers Camardi doesn't want to. He, he doesn't want to put his body on the line for a team that's not doing anything at this point in his career. Yeah, John Gruden. I I think the man's a nut job. I do too. I, it, he's making some a lot of questionable decisions, and it's. It's it's sad to see the, the state of Oakland right now. It, it, the guy's a whack job. He he goes out there and he trades away all of his best players. And we were just talking about this last week. He trades away Khalil Mack and says, "You know what this team needs? A really good pass rusher." And we were waiting for the the interview this week where he was, "You know what this team needs? A great receiver like John Gruden." I, he, you know what that team really needs? They need a head coach yeah. that's not mental. Yeah, I, I think John Gruden's a little out of his mind. He has a tendency to run veteran players out the door. Um, we, we saw it in Tampa Bay and we're seeing it here in Oakland and, and it just, it seems to be a recurring theme. It is it a little, um, uh, I guess heartwarming in a way to actually see a franchise that is, does appear committed to their coach, to allowing their coach to say, you know what, I want to come in and make this team the way I want. It's going to take some time. We're going to get rid of some of our players. And from that perspective, I guess I appreciate Oakland and what Oakland and John Gruden are doing. Uh, but in the meantime, you're really kind of destroying the reputation that the Oakland Raiders have been able to build just over the past few years of being competitive instead of being in the basement of the league. Now, how much is this John Gruden trying to go up and try and get that number one pick? I mean, <clears throat> right now you got the the is is he really just trying to take his team so low that they get the number one pick at this point? I mean, we basically have them. The Giants and and now it's it's the San Francisco 49ers. We were talking about it last week, basically having a Rochambeau contest to see who's the the crappiest team in the league, kicking each other in the balls. Yeah, and even if they don't get the worst record, what I, I'm kind of seeing from uh, some of these Oakland fans on, on the internet, it's looking like the Raiders have maybe four or five first round picks. So mm -hmm. they have what they need to put the package together to get the quarterback that they want or that John Gruden wants. I think they're at three. Yeah, I think they're at three right now. I'd, I'd have to double-check on that. Okay, okay. Or maybe five over the next two years, something like that. Yeah, they, they, well, they got a number of them for um, 
they they got a, a number of them for Khalil Mack. Uh, that trade was was just ginormous. Oh, because they, they did get like one for a future year in the Khalil Mack trade as well. Yes, they they. I mean, right now, I mean, oh, and they got the one for Cooper now. Yeah, so. they got the first rounder for Cooper plus what they had you're, before. You're on the right page there. It it does suck for, as an Oakland fan if you're if you are an Oakland fan or if you just kind of want to see the Oakland Raiders be competitive. But I really do kind of appreciate that uh, John Gruden's getting the support of the entire organization there to do what he's doing and and see if it's going to work. He kind of wants to look like the smartest guy in the room now that he jumped out of the announcing booth. But uh, I'm gonna let him take a shot. Yeah, I I mean it it looks like. You, you may be right. They actually have, it looks like they have three three for this year. And then they've got um, a 2020 second round pick. They got a 2020 conditional fifth round pick. And they got a 2020 first round pick and a 2020 third round pick in that Khalil Mack trade. Um, they did get a 2019 sixth round. I mean, they're just loading up on draft picks right now. Yeah, if they want somebody, they're putting themselves in a position to be able to go. Yeah, and they, they do have a second rounder. They have a third rounder. They have a fourth rounder. They have a fifth rounder. Um, they wound up getting uh, uh, a 2019 fifth round pick from the Bills. Um, I mean, it, they're getting boatloads of draft picks. I mean, it's just... Yeah, in 2020, they got two first rounders and... Yeah, they're loaded. Yeah, 2020. You, yep, yeah, you got a 2020 first round pick. You got a pick from the, you know, then their regular pick. I mean, they're they're going to be over the course of the next few years. You're going to see a lot of a, a youth coming into that Raiders yeah, when that team. team. Gets to Vegas, it's going to look completely different. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and that that's the test for John Gruden. Yep, and about. and we kept hearing about about Derek Carr possibly going out the door. You know, we know that that isn't going to happen. John Gruden said, "I don't think I'm going to trade Derek Carr." But and last time he said he wasn't going to trade anybody was when he said, I'm not going to trade Amari Cooper, and then a week later he traded him. Hmm. So, I mean, we're going to see how that goes, but this is this is that John Gruden way of thinking, so um, we're going to see that. And uh, speaking of coaches, uh, big news over the course of the last week, Browns, the Cleveland Browns fire uh, Hugh Jackson and uh, their offensive coordinator, Todd Haley. This is a head-scratcher to me because uh... – because you let you let Jackson survive going one thirty one, so it tells me that you had confidence in this guy if he had a team, right? And then he gets a team. The team's playing very well outside of this past week. They've been in every game. They've had the most overtime games. They could theoretically have five or six wins right now. They don't, and uh, the team's looking way better than it has over the last five years. And you say, you know what? We're done with this project. We're moving on. Well, my understanding is Hugh Jackson and Todd Haley got into it over uh, play calling over the course of the last week. They had a little high school, uh, you know, uh, little yelling match, I guess, over on the sidelines. Greg Williams has been named the interim head coach, the defensive coordinator. He got named the head coach in the meantime. Um, I'm going to put it to you like this. Hugh Jackson sucked when he was in Oakland. He sucked when he was with the Browns. He has sucked everywhere he goes. So how in the hell did Hugh Jackson – become a head coach of an NFL football team at any point in time. I mean, if you don't mind me, I got a little tangent I want to go on here on the Browns because this move, I don't know how the Browns fans are looking at it, but this move scares me because what this tells me is this general manager came in and for some reason got gets a clean slate and decides number one pick, he's keeping Hugh Jackson. Yep. And then he gets into the season and decides this isn't the right fit. Well, what the hell were you thinking before? They... 
have an opportunity here where if you want your young quarterback to succeed in the NFL, you put an offensive mind in that coach around him. They're putting Greg Williams in it as their head as their uh, a so, uh, head coach for the remainder of the year. I don't think he's yes. interim, just interim. Yeah, he's the interim right now. I mean, he, he but a lot no of times offensively, it, this scares me for Baker Mayfield. They have one chance to get this right, and right now it's looking like they're not going to make the the right decisions. Right, a lot of times, um, you know, uh, the these head coaches, the these coaches that get named the in the interim. Uh, they wind up becoming the head coach full time, uh, and and the, I think that this is Gre- this Greg Williams. It, it, kudos to him because that defense of the the Cleveland Browns has been kind of the one shining spot for them. Um, they've had a little, sure. you know, really. Uh, and Baker Mayfield, he he's given them a gl- given them a glimmer of hope, and I'm excited for Baker Mayfield. Um, I think if you get him a proper offensive coordinator, get him somebody that can help him, great. Uh, Baker Mayfield proved me wrong when he came in during that Jets game. I think he's been playing good football. I don't think ba- Baker Mayfield's a bad quarterback uh, anymore anyway. I, I don't think he is uh, the way I felt he was, you know, come draft time. For sure. Um, and he's he's proven everybody wrong. I want to see what, be, and like you said, I want to see what, what Baker Mayfield can do with an offensive mind around him. I, I could only imagine what he could do with a guy like a North Turner around him. Right. You, you know, know, Todd Haley's been fired everywhere he goes. He's yep. Jackson's been fired everywhere he goes. He's got somebody who's now a defensive coordinator, almost lifer at that position, running the team. They really need to make sure they, they make the right decision going forward because Baker Mayfield is now their franchise. So. Yep, and and a, a Pat Shermer would have been very good for them too, and, yeah. and he, he wound up going over to New York. I, I don't understand why Hugh Jackson continues to get a job anywhere. I think Hugh Jackson is garbage. I think uh, this is probably his last ditch. I don't think any NFL team in their right mind is looking at Hugh Jackson to be their head coach. He will probably go back to being, you know, like the best running back coach in the league like he was with the Bengals or something. You know, that's about all he needs. Yeah, that's about all Hugh Jackson is really good for at that point. I, I don't I don't buy Hugh Jackson. I never did. And and this Greg Williams, I mean, we'll see how he does. Um, it, it's going to be a wild one. It's going to be a wild one for the Browns. I, I think this is partially the Browns saying, hey, we're not sold on what we're doing. Let's, let's you know, yeah. <clears throat> exit this. We'll, we'll call this season a loss. Um, we got our first win in a year. Let, let's go ahead and, and call it a call yeah, this it's one. it's almost like, hey, we've done enough for the fans this year. What, let's <laughs> yeah. just pack yeah. this one in and see what happens. Next. Yeah, and, and that's I, that's exactly how I, how I think it's going on. So I think they're going to pack this one in. I think you're going to see a, a brand-new head coaching scheme, and it's going to be uh, fun for them. Um, now, we also got to see another coach getting fired. Um, head scratcher. Yeah, the Cowboys fired their offensive line coach. Um, Makes you think it's something personal because uh, the <clears throat> Cowboys have had one of the best offensive lines over the last five years, and – Thanks to this guy, it's kind of mind-boggling that they're moving on from him. Well, the the Cowboys um, is the the Cowboys offensive line um, has it been the same as uh, it was in like 2016? No, it's it's definitely no. come down. No, um, but you're also you also have a. Uh, Rush happy quarterback that gets out of the pocket that you can't at that point you can't blame the line because you're out of the fucking pocket. Yeah, I mean Ezekiel Elliott's numbers have dropped. I mean we can say that Zeke's numbers have dropped in this situation. Uh, Cowboys are currently sitting at three and four. Um, 
you know, they just they're coming off the bye. It says they're going to promote uh, the top assistant is Mark Colombo is the guy that's that's jumping into that that position on Monday. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Hudson Hauk is going to be brought back in an advisory role for for Colombo. Um, it, it's kind of a, a a weird situation over there in Dallas. I mean, I get that Zeke's numbers have fallen, but how much of this falls on the fact that that you just lost an All-Pro center? You know, probably most of it. Yeah, not all of it. I mean, let's face that fact too. We, we you lost an all your All-Pro center to something that was completely beyond the offensive Damn, line. Damn, you should have kept them healthy. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, like the, the poor guy's got a got a, a you know a horrible disease, and and you're going to get angry at at the offensive line coach when he loses basically the heart and soul of of his offensive line. Bug eyed Jones just isn't happy with his team. I think he's just getting desperate. Yeah, yeah, probably. Um, <clears throat> and Travis Frederick not being there, how much of that do you think plays a role in this, Dylan? That's uh, I think that's the biggest key to the entire situation, and uh, disappointing that it's kind of just like, hey, who can we blame right now? Who can we fire right now? That maybe just is this a uh, typical Jerry Jones knee jerk reaction? Yeah, um, and I think. The next knee-jerk, maybe it's probably not a knee-jerk reaction now, but it may be at the end of the season where Jason Garrett will be the next one to go if things don't continue to – things don't go well as the season progresses. Yeah, I think a lot of people have been calling for Jason Garrett's head since last year. So for the last several years. I mean, I've, I've been calling for Jason Garrett's head since Romo was around. So it's 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 possible it's a, maybe a personal thing, maybe something a lot of you know outsiders don't know about, like Tyler had mentioned, but this could just be a sign that – on the offensive side of the ball, some of these guys are going to start going if things don't change. Right. And uh, last but not least, we, we had um, complaints. You know, I'm going to say we got complaints, and, and not, not the show, but we, we got complaints uh, about Todd Gurley. Oh, not going in the end zone? Not going in the end zone. Uh, he puts on the brakes. He lets the – here's my thing about, about the Todd Gurley deal. And and correct me if I'm I'm wrong here. So – they were up 29 to 27. If he scored the touchdown and they kicked the extra point and missed it, say, say they missed it. It's a one-score game technically. Do you really think that that Mr. Automatic there is going to miss that extra point? Um Zerline who's still um coming off a groin injury, <clears throat> I mean Tucker missed his. I mean it happens. It's not a it's not a shoot anymore. Here's my thing. I see your point, but at the same time, there it um take take the game. You don't even give them the chance to have the ball. Yeah, I guess crazy things have happened. Weird things have happened. I I get it, but you, the way they did it is not. They don't even get it to touch the ball. You you score, see this extra point. All of a sudden, they could theoretically run the ball back and <laughs> I, I guess don't I, don't you don't even give them the chance to even have the ball in their hands. If 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 you have the ball, you have control. Yep. Get the zeros, get out of there. Yep, and and a lot of people in Vegas were pissed off saying that Todd Gurley, um, he, he he said the knee taken by Todd Gurley, um, it changed fantasy football results. It kept the Rams from covering and prevented from covering the uh, uh, over the, the over under there and and the spread and prevented the game's total from going over. <laughs> it, it crushed the Vegas sports books. 
It resulted in a swing of over a million dollars in favor of betters just on the 7.5 point spread. And I think it's a very poetic that it happened to the same player on Todd Gurley who came out last year after having one of the most fantastic fantasy football seasons ever and kind of basically saying, you know, you're welcome to my fantasy football owners and I could care less about fantasy football. <laughs> well, it happens no, again. Here's, here's basically where my stance and probably the same stance that, uh, that um, where'd you put YouTube? Oh, uh, oh, I got I got rid of you. you missed it. Um, uh, you were you were gonna. I was gonna play suck a dick. Because <laughs> that that's pretty much it. That's what that's what it is. Um, fantasy is own little world. The players don't care about it. Yeah, they're gonna get the job done. They're gonna get their W. Yeah, suck a dick. There you go. Just suck for you. Um, I'll pay you a little. Oh no, it didn't work. Second dick. There it is. Second dick. So um, I, I get it though. I, I fully get it, and and uh, I I mean I get it from both perspectives. I feel bad for the the fantasy owners. I feel bad for the and folks in. He Vegas. did enough for me to win, so I'm not too worried. No, uh, yeah, yeah, he did quite a bit. He still, had, he still had like a monster game without it. So and so um, you know I apologize to all those fantasy owners, but with that we we're going to be uh, taking another break here. Uh, it seems like the delectable one is, is going to be getting out of here. Uh, Dylan, thank you for joining us today. I appreciate it. having me again, guys. No, we, nice. we appreciate it. We, we wanted to have you out, especially uh, uh, with Tyler having um, his throat issue. I, like I said, I'm surprised he's having such a horrible throat issue. I you think he'd be used to, to having stuff stuffed on his I'm throat. smack you. Um, but uh, in any case, uh, Dylan, thank you for joining us, um, and uh, hopefully you'll come and bug us a little bit more. Um, we're going to take a quick break and for a word from our sponsors, a little bit of music and folks, we'll be right back right here on the outside blitz. At it's your time massage, you get all the benefits of one of the larger massage chain parlors, but in a more intimate and personal setting with four years experience, massage therapist and owner Amanda Yata's goal is to help people in a natural way, offering Swedish deep tissue pregnancy, aromatherapy, and sports massages. You will feel better and have more energy in just one hour. It's Your Time Massage is offered in-home, Amanda's, or yours. With the rates ranging from $55 to $130, you get professional quality at an affordable rate. Contact Amanda today at 313-686-4347 or online at iytmassage.com. It's Your Time Massage, a natural way to improve your well-being. And welcome back to the Outside Blitz. I am your host, the very sore Tyler Dean. The very raspy Tyler Dean. Yeah, that's about the best I can get my voice to do right now. So yeah. I'll deal with it, I guess. Yeah. And, and Well, yeah, Tyler, you're just going to have to sack up now because Tyler's not here. Or Dylan's not here. Sorry. Wow, you screwed that yeah, one Yeah, I did, but you're going to have to sack up, Tyler. I'll be just fine. <laughs> Come on, I'm, I'm just making jokes, though. Yeah, I'm just ignoring your jokes. Uh, you're a jerk. <laughs> so here we are again with a segment we like to call... Tyler's Top Ten! Tyler's Top Ten! Oh, yeah. Yeah, aren't you excited? Week eight. Yeah. Halfway through. Yeah, we're halfway through the season and, and uh wow, I, I 
I'm, I'm feeling kind of kind of sad that the season's going by so quickly. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's flying it's by. Moving. It's moving. So what we'll do next week? Um, we're going to do it this week, but we wanted to give every team a chance to get through eight games. Yes. Buys. Um, next week we are going to revisit the uh, season-ending predictions. We'll take into account the first eight weeks and we'll uh, go through that same thing we did just for the season. And see where where we've changed our minds, and see where we see the postseason going. Yeah, we'll see where we're at, and and kind of check it out. I, I'm excited for that. Um, we <laughs> things have definitely changed. Yeah, yeah, things have definitely looking at you, Jacksonville. Yeah, right. Things have definitely changed. Uh, we both had the Jags in the Super Bowl, and that ain't happening. Um, but uh, wow, uh, just just a wild uh, alteration here. We're gonna. See how our, our things have changed and how things are, are looking for um, for our Super Bowl predictions midway through and see if we can at least get something right. I have a feeling that I'm going to keep my NFC the same. Though. Yeah, I have a feeling you are too, and I have a feeling that I'm probably going to be going a similar route to you. Now, uh, Tyler, top 10. Uh, Tyler, what you got, man? I, I threw some honorables out this week. Just oh, boy. To- there are a few guys I, I like the performances. I didn't want to keep them quite out, so I, I'll, I'll go through these pretty quick. Number five, your boy Adam Thielen. Yeah, it's all a good game. Just <laughs> broke a hundred, seven receptions in a touchdown. Been, I, I would say, a good game, but it's been an average game for Adam Thielen. Uh, one hundred ten <laughs> yards, not a bad game. Oh three. Oh, oh one hundred three. One hundred three. Oh yeah, yeah. He got one hundred three on the day. I'm sorry. I'm thinking the last week was one hundred ten. One hundred three on the day. Um, you know, he breaks the hundred, which is cool. I'm, I'm happy with it based on the fact that you know. He breaks uh, Charlie Hennigan's record um, for the the best or well the most 100 plus yard games to start a season, which is exciting. Um, I'm happy about it. That record has stood the, the test of time through 1967 uh, onward. So um, that that's a big one. Uh, and Adam Thielen right now he he actually has an opportunity this upcoming week to break Calvin Johnson's record, and ironically against the Lions. Um, uh, break Calvin Johnson's record for uh, eight straight. If he if he wins, he'll have nine straight hundred yard games, um, which which has not been done. So that's an exciting thing. Uh, I hope he does it. But kudos to Adam Thielen having a hell of a game this past week. Number four, my honorables, and he'll be here for the last time this season, unfortunately. Yeah, Will Fuller. He had a great game. Five receptions, 124 yards, and a touchdown. He's been in the top 10 a couple times, and he had another great game before he went down. Speedster uh, tore his ACL this week. Uh, and, and you know what? Deshaun Watson's starting to come alive a little bit, so I'm, I'm excited about that. Um, sad to see Fuller go. Demarius Thomas takes his spot, though. And uh, hopefully the, the Houston Texans can uh, do a little something-something with uh, Demarius Thomas and you know, rekindle that fire in his gut and make something happen. Number three in the uh, honorable mentions is Chris Carson, 25 carries, 105 yards, and a touchdown on the ground. You know, I, I'm okay with him being in your honorables. I wish he made the top ten because this guy, I got to tell you, I, I sat down with my dad and I watched this game. And, you know, a couple of things came to mind. And, and you know, now now that I'm actually kind of thinking about it, I'm okay with him being in, in the honorables because – uh, Snacks Harrison was only on the field 15 plays in, in near the end of the third quarter going into this game. But I sat down with my old man and watched this game, and, and Chris Carson was seemingly wrapped up in the backfield, I mean, countless times, and he was just always making something out of nothing. And that was the exciting thing. It looked like it was going to be a three-yard loss, and then he'd go and break it off for five or six. 
So Chris Carson had himself a hell of a game. I was impressed with him. Uh, kudos to him for, for doing what he did against the old Lions there. Number two, um, Stephon Diggs. Diggs had a great game. Uh, 10 receptions, 119 yards, and a touchdown. Yep, outdid Thielen, um, got in the end zone. Diggs had himself a, a really great game. He moved the chains well. Um, he had a couple of big passes. Uh, I like Stephon Diggs. I, I, he, had, he had a good amount of rack yards. Uh, this guy is is just he's great um, catching over the middle. He's great making the catches underneath. He makes plays with his legs. I've liked Stephon Diggs for a long time. And and with Thielen there, I mean, the two of them are just a great one-two punch. Uh, he actually outdoes Thielen. I think this is only the second time he's outdone Thielen uh, this year. But Diggs has been a chain mover, and he's been a volume pass-catching kind of guy. So I, I really enjoyed this one. And the last one, the Honorables, at one point was in my top 10, but I moved it last minute. I hate having a multi-touchdown person outside the top 10, but I did it anyway. Um, Sammy Watkins. Um <clears throat> Eight, eight receptions, 107 yards, and two touchdowns. It's it's really that yardage number that we could get bumped them out because there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, heavy numbers of yards in my top ten. Yeah, there's a lot of chain movers, a lot of big big yardage guys. Sammy Watkins had his best game of the year uh, this past week, though. I mean, by far too. Um, yeah. over 102 touchdowns. He hasn't been living He's, up to his end of the bargain on that that three year deal that he signed with Kansas City, and this past week he finally did something and and kind of showed up. Uh, it, it was exciting to see him show up, and and he he had he's just had a raw deal for a while. I mean, ever since he was in Buffalo, he hasn't you know been living up to expectations. Now he comes out, he he balls out in in Kansas City, um, and hopefully this will open things up for him moving forward. And now going into the actual top ten. Yes, here we go. Number ten, Tyler Boyd. Another big game. We've been talking about him a lot lately. Yeah, he's been all over the place. Nine receptions, 138 yards, and a touchdown. Big no game there. Normally we'd be talking about AJ Green. Yeah, and, and we haven't been. Tyler Boyd has just he's popped up out of nowhere, um, and really just taking the ball by the horns. He he's become the not only has he become a distance type receiver, but he's also been a red zone threat, which is Absolutely. which is very interesting to me. Um, as a red zone threat, he he's he's just been a favorite target of uh, uh, Andy Dalton. And you know what? I, kudos to Tyler Boyd. Uh, he had a hell of a game this, this past week. So uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited to see what he, what's in store for him and to see if him and A.J. Green can continue to, to ping-pong off each other. Absolutely. Number nine, Lamar Miller. After such a slow start to the season, he's starting to finally come alive. Yeah, a little coming out party for him, wasn't um, it? Thursday night football, he he, he has an 18 carries, 133 yards, and gets in the end zone. Yep, he had a little coming out party, and and the uh, the Texans finally are starting to to. I mean, they they've blown up. It's four or five in a row now, and and we're we're getting to see a run game. We're getting to see some passing. We're getting to see, we're getting to see good quarterback play. We're getting to see the receivers open up and understanding Fuller went down, but Demarius Thomas is there. Watson says he feels very confident. And now Lamar Miller finally starts looking like, you know, his, his former self and, and comes out just, just balling out on 19 carries. And I don't don't think he's going to break a thousand this year. I don't think he's even close, but uh, if he keeps having games like that, uh, you could very well see him break that set, that thousand yard yeah, mark. Yeah, he, so. he he did miss a couple games. It's going to make it a little bit more difficult, but we'll see what he does. Right. I mean, and the Texans are usually a very run happy offense. So uh, hopefully for his case, for his sake, we're going to see him uh, kind of open up a little bit. 
And num- number eight, a guy who's no stranger to this top ten, Patrick Mahomes. Wow, I'm, I'm surprised you got him that low on your list. Um, I, I am. I I questioned it a, a lot. I, I, I went <clears> back and forth. Um, twenty four for thirty four, three hundred three yards, four touchdowns, and a pick. Great, great game there by Mahomes. The only blemish there, obviously, is that pick. But it didn't matter that um, Chiefs got the job done. The touchdown to interception ratio for for Patrick Mahomes is been is amazing. Yeah, it's it's just incredible. The guy's having an MVP year. Um, we've been talking MVP since really since week one. We've been talking about yeah. this guy possibly winding and, up and, as an MVP. And sure, he he, <coughs> he got Breeze, who's not for an interception, but no one's even close to Mahomes in the sheer quantity of touchdowns. Yeah, Mahomes. I mean, he's averaging about four touchdowns per game. We've seen him just just chucking the ball around like a madman. Um, nobody can seem to stop him. Uh, Andy Reid's offense is is very good for him. Um, I enjoy this. Uh, I enjoy watching Patrick Mahomes play. He's an exciting quarterback. It reminds me of Kurt Warner with the uh, the Rams all those years ago. It was the greatest show on turf, and and you're kind of seeing it again out here in Kansas City. So so kudos to uh, Mahomes uh, getting it done uh, again for the eighth week in a row. Um, and, and just putting up those monster numbers. And, and what they lack in defense, uh, they make up for in Patrick Mahomes there. So that's a Absolutely. winner. Kind of like how the Steelers' offense has been over the, over the years, where the defense has been eh, and the offense has been getting it done. Right. Number seven, Marvin Jones. Big game there. Seven receptions, 117 yards in, two touchdowns. Yep. Proving to be the new guy there now that uh, they are now without Golden Tate. I think that was the exclamation point here. I, I think that they there was a lot of play calling going on that, that was very favorable uh, to Marvin Jones. <clears throat> Jones had an uh, – he's kind of had a, a tough go of things over there in Detroit. Golden Tate showed up, and Golden Tate you know, has been the number one guy there. Tate goes to Philly. Uh, Marvin Jones um, kind of puts an exclamation point on the fact that, hey, I'm going to wind up being the number one guy here. Hey, Golden Tate's not here. I'm your number one pass catcher, period, end, bottom line, no questions asked. And that's what you're going to see. Um, I, I He had a, a heck of a game. He's a vertical threat. I want to see if he can continue being that vertical threat and see if he's going to continue putting up those numbers um, in the future games. Number six, Adrian Peterson. 26 carries, 149 yards, and a touchdown. Big game by Adrian Peterson. Um, I almost put Lamar Miller above him just because of the uh, um, the less amount of carries that Lamar needed to get the job done. But I gave AP the uh, the nod and great game there by AP. Now, his age. <clears throat> yeah, the age is a big thing. I think one big thing about Adrian Peterson is, um, and and at least that I noticed, uh, the old guy was was rumbling down the sidelines and and he he didn't have that speed that breakneck speed that we saw from Adrian Peterson especially the year the year removed from the the ACL tear um, but we we got to see some Adrian Peterson speed we got to see some Adrian Peterson rumbling down the sidelines um, had that big long touchdown he played great football he he um, had some uh, yardage through the air too uh, he had a touchdown through the air. Yeah, the touchdown running. He he was all over the place. He was the Redskins offense. And and when they picked him up, we we kind of assumed he was going to be similar to how he was with the Saints and the Cards. And that's not the case. Adrian Peterson has become the guy over there. Uh, I don't think they're going to extend him or anything, but he's having a hell of a year and and really keeping the Redskins afloat. Otherwise, the Redskins probably wouldn't have beaten the Giants this past week, and, and that offense would have been pretty stagnant. 
So kudos to AP for for keeping his uh, team in the game. See, I kind of think they will extend him, but and with Geis coming back, you'll see them let someone like Thompson go. Yeah, and that's a possibility. I mean, Thompson is is such a good runner, though. I don't know at AP's age. It's a big question. Going to the top five, Joe Mixon, twenty one carries, one hundred and twenty three yards, and got in the end zone twice. Wow, big game there by Mixon. His big blowout game, blow up game, and showing that he is the guy there. In Cincinnati. Yeah, Joe Mixon is is um, kind of an unexpected guy, really. Um, second year in. Yeah, second year in. Nobody expected him to have a, a monster year like that. Um, yeah, I, I like the first of all, the game was great. Uh, kudos to him for for getting it done. Uh, Joe Mixon has been having actually a pretty decent year. Uh, I I like him a lot. Do I think that he's like, you know. Uh, an all-star, super pro, you know, all-pro running back. No, no, I don't. I don't think he's anything spectacular like that. But um, is he a very good running back? Absolutely. Is he turning out well? Absolutely. He has 509 yards on the year, four touchdowns. Um, four touchdowns through eight games doesn't exactly, you know, make me go, yes, this guy is an amazing running back. But last game, definitely tore it up. Two touchdowns. He did have three receptions on the day. Um, and he's on pace for a thousand despite missing a couple games being injured. So he actually has got a pretty good average there going. Um, uh, well, nine. He he hasn't missed a couple of games. I mean, he had ninety five yards against Colts. Um, he oh, he did. He, he missed two between the the Ravens and Dolphins game. Uh, ninety. But he's he's not solidly breaking a hundred. This is his biggest game of the year. He had ninety five yards against Colts, eighty four against the Ravens, ninety three against the Dolphins, sixty four against the Steelers, fifty against the Chiefs. I want to see if this trend continues where he's going to be like losing steam um, against the Bucks. here. He had a big game, and is he going to lose steam, or is he going to keep this going throughout the end of the year? I mean, kudos to him for being at 509 halfway through. It's pretty good. Um, I want to see what Joe Mixon can do uh, moving forward, and, and uh, I want to see if, if he's going to wind up being the guy. He's, he's, eight, he's eighth overall in rushing yards. Yeah, I want to see if he's going to be the guy in Cincinnati. All right, number four, Marlon Mack hit himself a game. Again. 25 carries, 132 yards, two touchdowns. You were talking about Marlon Mack last year, um, and you were saying you felt, actually really in the offseason, and you were saying that you felt that this guy was going to blow up. And he started off the year <clears throat> miserable. Yeah, he, he started out not blowing up. Now he's sitting at 381 yards. Um, Almost all of it has been in the last two games. Yeah, well... He 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 missed the first, a, a little bit of the season. He he on he took on the Redskins on in, in week two, and he only had 34 yards. And then he missed a few more weeks, and then he came and he took on the Jets on the 14th of October, and he he put up 89 yards. He only had 12 carries, and he put up good average. Yards. It was the best average of the year. Uh, then he came back on the, uh, the next week and took on the Bills. He put up 126, and then he took on the Raiders, put up 132. We didn't hear much from Marlon Mack, and now suddenly Marlon Mack is is here, and he's ready to rock and roll. Now he take he took on the Bills, which the Bills have a decent defense, but he did put up 132. It was against the Raiders. Let's understand that. Um, I want to see what Marlon Mack is going to do in the next few weeks. Um, and the the Colts, they they have. Um, a kind of a tough challenge ahead of them. Not so much now that Dante Fowler's gone, but they are going to be taking on the Jacksonville Jaguars. They got the Titans coming up. So they're going to be seeing what they can do as far as running the football goes. 
Uh, they do have a tough little matchup against the Texans. They got a tough little matchup against the Cowboys. They have another matchup against the Jags. We got to remember that. And they, I mean, they got two, two, you know, knockdown dragout brawls against the, that Titans defense. I want to see if Marlon Mack can continue this for the next eight games. If Marlon Mack can continue it for the next eight games, not only will he break a thousand, but Marlon Mack, I will say, is the real thing, and and that he is here to stay in Indianapolis. I, I I'd agree if you can keep it up, and so it'll it'll be a fun story to watch. Consistency is key. Yep. Looking at you, Adam Thielen. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Um, going to the top three. So uh, in both cases, I looked at both scenarios. Of, so spoiler alert, Todd Gurley is on my top ten. What else is new? Um, But have given him one touchdown or, or or given him the second one, he still lands in the same spot, just kind of how, how it worked out. Yeah. Did we make a big of a difference? There's nothing of a difference. So number three is Mike Evans. Six receptions, 139 <coughs> yards, and a touchdown. Mike Evans has been having a huge year, but very quietly. Yes. Um, he he had a, a he, I mean, and when he has a big game, he has a big game. Um, and we've seen that. He had a huge game against the Saints in week one, 147 yards. Uh, he had 137 against the Steelers. He had 107 against the Browns. He had 179 this past week against the Bengals. Um, the Falcons in, against the Falcons and Bears, he had 58 and 59. He also had 83 against the Eagles. So he's still putting up consistent yards. Right now he's sitting at 770 he's on the He's on pace to easily shatter 1,000. Easily shared a thousand. He's on pace to beat his career high of thirteen hundred. Yes, and and I, you know, for his sake, I hope he does. I think he's he's a, a hell of a pass catcher. I've got him in fantasy. I was thrilled to see those numbers pop up. Um, and this guy, he's he is their offense, but he's not on pace to come anywhere near his twenty fourteen or twenty sixteen touchdown totals. He's no. got a long way to go for that. Yeah, you got a long way to go for that. And and you know, we see guys that like this that are are. Uh, uh, big yardage guys, and and they're not putting up a ton of of touchdowns. We got to see it out of Adam Thielen last year. Adam Thielen scored a lot more touchdowns this year than he did last year. Um, and you know, I want to see if Mike Evans can can hit those those uh, become a red zone threat again and start hitting those touchdown numbers. But right now, I mean, I, Tampa Bay should be thrilled with this guy's production. I hope they are. Uh, he does have two fumbles on the year, which is makes him a little eh. But uh, beyond that, I mean. I like it, and he did have a touchdown, at least one touchdown for his, through his first three games of the year, which I think uh, was a big deal as well. So, uh, Mike Evans, and I want to also point out he's the favorite target of Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah, but the, but but at the same time though, um, that they, that team's quietly got a pretty good trio because you also got Deshaun Jackson who's having himself a good year as well. Plus, uh, Goodwin's also having himself a uh, good year. Goodwin's having a good year. Um, he's not having a fantastic year or anything, but Goodwin is having a good year. Um, and uh, they, we were, they were talking a little bit about him on on uh, the NFL Network uh, not too long ago. Goodwin's having a good year, and and kudos to him <clears throat> for that. And uh, I mean, I like Mike Evans. I think he's going to be an elite receiver in this year for a long time, or in this league for a long time. He's only twenty five years old. He's got a lot of tread on the tires, so so let's hope that that he continues to blow up over there in Tampa Bay. Number two, Todd Gurley. 195 yards from scrimmage, most of which coming on the ground, and one to two touchdowns, however your opinion of the matter is. I mean, uh, can we call it one and a half? Sure. Is, is that uh, One and a half <laughs> touchdowns. I'll call it one and a half because he had that touchdown wrapped up. 
Um, I think we know he did. Uh, he had six receptions on the day. Most of his yardage, as you said, came on the ground, 114 yards. Um, his one touchdown did come through the air. Uh, <clears throat> he's having just a career year. And on the ground, he has 11 touchdowns. He has a uh, another a nine through the air. He's at 20 touchdowns on the year. Yeah. <laughs> Between everything, he's balling it out this year. The the one touchdown is kind of a low week for him, really, because he's been putting up three yeah, touchdowns, like, four darn, touchdowns he had on the year. One earth. touchdown. Yeah, I, so I, it's kind of a, a surprising thing to see him only put up one touchdown, but I, I'm sure he's going to bounce back and put up five to next week. And he's already 800 yards. Um, he's on pace to completely shatter his career high of 13 1300. Um, he's on pace to shatter his touchdowns. For running, that let alone receiving. Yeah. Um, um, receiving or the ground, he's on. He's really, he's about on pace to kind of right around hit his career high through the air. He's um, three fifty one right now. Yeah, he's gonna shatter rushing. He's on pace for right around receiving. So he's on pace to have by far his best season. Yeah, I'm I'm excited about Todd Gurley. Um, and I gotta correct you here. He's got four touchdowns through the year. So you're you're talking fifteen touchdowns right now in the year. That's where he's at. In 2018. He's on pace for 30. Yep, he's on pace for 30. He's, you know, and 31's the big record. That's that's yep. the big record by, by Oladanian. We're halfway through. He's on pace for 30. I want to see if he just throws up like a three or four spot, you know, this next week and just blows up. Um, but I, I like this pick. Todd Gurley, he's, he, you know, like I said, the Rams offense runs through Todd Gurley. We've said it week over week over week over week. We've been saying this for a long time. I believe that this Rams offense runs through Todd Gurley. And that's how it's going to go. And Todd Gurley's been a very frequent member of, of this uh, top 10 fan club. But, it's almost every week. But number one is another frequent member of, yes. this, of this top 10. And that's James frickin' Connor. Le'Veon who? Exactly. Um, James Connor, 212 yards. Um, on the ground and through the air at scrimmage. Yep. And two touchdowns. James Connor, you know, I... I so I was listening to a show, and I won't mention the name, but I was listening to a show this week, and, and somebody was saying that they don't believe that James Conner um, makes it, or they don't believe the Steelers make it anywhere uh, near a Super Bowl without Le'Veon Bell. And I'm over here going, wait a minute now. James Conner's having a Le'Veon Bell season. He's having a season that's better than Le'Veon. He's got 599 yards on the ground. He had a couple of low-point games, one against the Ravens. One against the Chiefs. Well, I, I mean, Le'Veon's numbers are a bit better than. Oh. But uh, James Conner, you know, he still puts up 146 yards against the Browns, 111 against the Bengals, 110 against the Falcons, 135 against the Browns in Week One. He had 61 against the Bucks, which is a little low, but he also has nine touchdowns on the year. Mm -hmm. James Conner is having himself a very, very good year, and for a third-round pick. To see him putting up those kind of numbers as a third-round pick, I'm thrilled right now if I'm the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, front office. And I'm, oh, 100%. And I'm thrilled if, if I'm Mike Tomlin right now having this guy hanging around in my locker room. At 23 years old, you know the guy's going to get signed to a long-term deal. He's got three years left on his contract. <clears throat> I'm excited for, for James Conner. Um, and, and uh, you know, you're paying the guy peanuts on top of it. You know, I mean, that that's the big deal. You're paying the guy 700K. I mean, you know, he's on the second year of his deal. You're paying him 700, or right, yeah, 700K this year, 800K next year, 900K the following. I mean, you're 
you're not paying diddly squad for James Conner, and he's coming out and just balling out. Yeah, I, can't, I bet he can't wait for 2020. Yeah, 20, <laughs> he's going to get paid. When 2020 rolls around, they're going to have to extend the guy, and they're going to have to extend him, and he'll be 25 years old at that point, and they're going to extend him for five, six years. You watch. Oh, yeah, 100%. So that's going to happen, and I'm excited for him. That's number one there. That's number one. And, Tyler, uh, we're, we're not done yet. Oh, the fun part. Yeah. It is now time for... Raytown's Forgotten Fun! Freytown's Forgetful Five! Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're excited. This is your favorite part because I just crap on people and teams and players. And... Mm, it's always fun. Because <laughs> I'm mean. I'm mean. Um, number five, Tyler, are you excited? Here we go. It's the Detroit Lions run defense. The Seahawks ran all... <laughs> Over the Lions. I think the thing that got me about it is is there was such a hubbub about uh, James Harrison co- or Damon Harrison rather not James Harrison Damon Harrison coming in. Um, Snacks Harrison comes through and they they used him for a grand total of fifteen plays on uh, through the third quarter at least. I think that was the well, stat that it, popped. It doesn't up. surprise me because I think they're, they're kind of easing in and stuff. But you're a defensive tackle. You have one job, two jobs, <laughs> harass quarterback, stop running back. That's a defensive tackle's job. I don't understand, like, what what big play scheme do you need to learn to be a defensive tackle in this league? I mean, like, I'd like to think it's a little more than, than a high school player, but come on, you're a defensive tackle. Stop running back, harass quarterback, done. Done. That's true. I mean, really, harass quarterback, get running back, done. And that's what he was brought here for, to stop the running back. That's what he was stopped for. That's what he's there for. Stop the running back. We have the number two running defense, number thirty-two run defense in the league. Hit running back. You're a space eater. That's what the guy's there for. He's three hundred fifty-five pounds. For Christ's sake, yeah, use him. I, I don't understand why they made the trade and didn't put him in. But um, I got, I got to tell you, Chris Carson making something out of nothing. Every run seemed like it was going for five, six, seven yards. I was watching it with my dad. My dad was just blown away by how this guy was running the football and uh, how the Lions were just letting him. No, there was no completing of tackles. There was no no finishing. There was you know they would they would come in and they would close on the guy and then they wouldn't finish the tackle. I just I don't understand it. Um, the Lions' run defense was just abysmal. They made uh, a guy like Chris Carson who who really has had a decent year. He has had, hasn't had like some above and beyond kind of year. They made Chris Carson look like like a, a a legend killer, and and that's what they they did. Yeah, absolutely. So he he looked like a hero amongst men. Uh, number four goes to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers two minute defense. Um, <clears throat> so the Bucks take the lead. They have to slow down um, the the Cincinnati Bengals. They don't do it. They lose the game in the waning seconds. It was four seconds left on the clock when they kicked that field goal. Um, my dad and I also watched the finish to that one. It was exciting. It was a fun game to watch, but the Buccaneers had to, to come up with that stop and, and they didn't. And I mean, the way that the Bengals kind of just went straight down the field, I mean, it wasn't even, it was infallible. It was, it was so perfect and so quick yeah, and I, so I, precise. I was it too, like, all right, come on, Tampa Bay. I need, I need, Buc- I need the Bengals to lose. Been a rough day for the Ravens, and I just watched the Bengals just march down as if there, there wasn't even a defense out there. Yeah, it was It was like, well, let's try this play, let's try this play. I mean, it was quick, it was fast, it was in a hurry, and like I said, it was very precise. 
Um, I, I just I couldn't believe how um, uh, the the Bengals just marched downfield. How badly do you think that the the Buccaneers are missing Quan Alexander at this point in time? It seems pretty obvious that they're, that they're missing him. Just the way that they, they just couldn't get anything done to, to stop that offense. Right, and and I I was just disgusted by it. So uh, that's that's why I'm gonna say uh, we gotta say hey, get your life together. Um, Number three, the Jags <clears throat> running offense. They didn't get anything done on the ground. Everybody looked bad. They, Nothing. They, they have a newly acquired uh, Carlos Hyde. He didn't do anything. Uh, TJ Yeldon didn't do anything. Their Bortles led the team in rushing. Yeah, which is sad. It's sad that your quarterback's leading the team in rushing. Carlos Hyde had six attempts, and he only had 11 yards on those six attempts. Uh, 1.8 average. Just a, a horrible, horrible game. Um, TJ Yeldon on the day, two attempts for seven yards. He had a 3.5 average, but that's not going to get you many places. They weren't handing the ball enough, uh, handing the ball off enough. They weren't giving these guys enough opportunities at the same time. Carlos Hyde really wasn't doing much. Uh, they were playing from behind a lot of times. I got to tell you, I am, uh, just disgusted by how the, the Jacksonville Jaguars have dropped the ball this year. It's a big dumpster fire over there right now. It is. It's it's sad. I mean, they were a Super Bowl favorite team for a lot of people. Yes. So it's 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 really depressing to see what they're what they're doing this season. Yeah, I I couldn't believe uh, what we were seeing. Um, it just just a, a mess. Just a mess. Um, no running game over there. So the Jaguars' running offense uh, definitely got to hit the Freytown's forgetful five. Number two. <clears throat> this is a guy, so he had a bad game. Uh, what kept him at number two was the lack of interceptions, but Sam Darnold once again hits the, the forgetful five, uh, 14 for 29, 153. He had a touchdown on the day. Um, <clears throat> just an ugly game for Sam Darnold, uh, not doing a whole lot. Uh, seems to be the common theme with, with old Darnold there. He's not, he's not chucking the ball around um, as well as we expect a number one pick to uh, throw it around. Um, only 10 points on the day. Uh, the lone touchdown comes from from him throwing the ball uh, over to uh, Christopher Herndon. Just not good. Just not good. No, it's Jets are having a rough season. I mean, we expected them to, but uh, <clears throat> um, they need they need to get him some help over there. I think we expected a little more out of Sam Darnold this year. Yes, you know, and, and even though he's a rookie, I mean, we expected him to play play a lot better for for the Jets, and he just didn't, and he hasn't. Um, and I think a lot of that may have to do with his holdout in the offseason. But the fact of the matter is Sam Darnold is not playing good football. He's not playing like an elite-level quarterback or a pro-level quarterback. He's not doing what he should be doing. Uh, they get, and You're right, they have to get him some help over there. <clears throat> Last but not least, number one, the now-benched Jameis Winston. Not one pick, not two picks, not three picks. He threw four interceptions. Um, to me, there was no other person that could have even been close to your number one. This yep, week. 18 for 35, 276, one touchdown, four interceptions. Winston gets benched in favor of Ryan Fitzpatrick. Under and, under 50% completion rate. Yep, and, and Fitzpatrick comes out and just, I mean, played good ball. Fitzpatrick does what Fitzmagic does and, and was chucking the ball around, scoring touchdowns, keeping his team alive. 
Um, Fitzpatrick, in, in a very limited time, definitely outplayed Jameis Winston. Yeah. Um, Ryan Fitzpatrick was the story of that game, and he'll be taking over starting duties this upcoming week. Thank God. Um, and now, Tyler, it is time for our weekly predictions. You're in deep trouble right now. I am in deep trouble. You shouldn't have changed your picks last No, week. I didn't. It bit me. It came back to bite me. But, you know, at the same time, you know, we were picking so many of the same you know, players or teams rather. We were picking so many of the same that we were we were just gonna have an equal record and I figured what the hell I'm gonna change it up, give it a shot. And it bit me in the ass. But that's okay. Pick, we're gonna you gotta pick your battles wisely. Yeah, I do, I guess. So uh um, So the current scores are I'm at 77, 42 and two, and you're at 69, 45 and two. <clears throat> you're eight yuck. games back. I'm eight games back. Oh boy. Um, all right, well, let's see if I can uh, bring it back a little bit. We're going to kick off week nine of uh, week, <laughs> it's week nine of 17 here, Tyler. Here we go. Uh, first game, we've got the Raiders and the Niners. This um, takes place in about an hour and a half. Yep, and that's tonight. I'm going to go ahead and go with the Raiders on this one. Um, with Bethard not playing, I'm also going the Raiders. Yeah, I think you almost have to. Uh, Bethard's out. You got a rookie, undrafted rookie. Watch this undrafted rookie just light our asses on fire. I know, right? Uh, <laughs> coming up next, you got the Falcons and the Redskins. This one's actually a little bit tough. I'm going to go with the Redskins. And you would, <coughs> that, you would think that potent offense is going to get the job done in the Falcons, but the Redskins come in with a very good defense. And now the addition of HaHa Clinton Dix. I'm going Redskins on this I'm, I'm going to give you a chance. I'm taking the Falcons. Oh, there you go. Watch me get smoked on that one, too. Um, this Sunday, 1 o'clock, uh, what I think will be one of the games of the week. You're going to see the Lions and the Vikings. I'm going Vikings on this one. I'm going Vikings to be the game. I don't think it's going to be a game of the week at all. Uh, I think it's going to be, well, it's going to be a game of the week for me if the Vikings go and do what I think they're going to do. Um, next thing you know, this one will probably be a game of the week. The Steelers yeah, and the Ravens. Is. I mean, except for the last one was rough. But, uh... In- interdivisional matchups, Steelers, Ravens. I think, um... You know, the Steelers are, are playing good football right now. They're on play right now. They're, they're a different team than, than the Ravens faced earlier this year. So it, I expect it to be a, a different game completely. But uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the opportunity to take different. So I'm taking the Ravens here. I'm going with the Steelers. Um, I, I, I think they're going to do their best to avoid dropping three straight. Yeah, yeah. For your sake, I hope so. Um, so uh, the next up is kind of it's going to be a beating. The Chiefs versus the Browns. I'm going Chiefs. I'm going Chiefs. Not give me that one. No, no. Um, this one will, will kind of be a rough one. It'll be interesting. The Jets and the Dolphins, kind of the toilet bowl game of the week. Um, <clears throat> so uh, I'm going to go Dolphins. Yeah, I think you're, we almost have to go Dolphins in this one. The Jets are just struggling so much. So I'm going Dolphins. Uh, next up, the Bears and the Bills. I'm going Bears. Bear, oh yeah. Duh Bears. Easy. Duh Bears. Yeah, that's that's happening. Um, now, we just got done talking about them. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers will be taking on the Carolina Panthers. I'm going Panthers. Panthers are hot right now. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think you can pick this <clears throat> I'm going Panthers. It's got to happen. Um, you, you just got to go that way. Uh, next up, we got the Chargers and the Seahawks. Kind of a fun one, I think. Going to be interesting. Um, 
if I'm not mistaken, Chargers are coming off a bye. Yep, Chargers coming off in a bye. Seahawks just had a, a, a good win against the Lions. I'm going Chargers, though. I think they're going to be Yeah, Chargers are, are kind of quickly <coughs> hot right now. Remember this last week? I'm also going Chargers. Yeah, Chargers have a good record right now. They're they're still trailing, but they're gonna they are making a case for themselves as a playoff team, which is really a game back. Yeah, so that's that they're still chasing, but they're they're right on track to, to make that wild card. Um, next up we got the Texans and the Broncos. I'm going with the, the red hot Houston Texans here. Demarius Thomas is gonna come in and light up his former team in this game. Mm-hmm. That's uh, really that's a bold prediction for that one. I'm going Texans. Um now, coming up, we've got the actual this, game this the is week. the actual game of the week. The Rams and the Saints uh, on Sunday afternoon, Can undefeated stay alive? I am going to say that it does, and the Rams move oh, to wow. 9-0. and oh. um, Kind of a toughie. Oh, very tough. Very tough one. Um, I want to believe in Drew Brees. I wanted to believe in, in Aaron Rodgers last week. That, that Aaron Rodgers could possibly get it done. Um, golly, this one is, is really... A, I'm going to go Rams to be safe. Um, i I got to play my, my cards right in this, in this yeah, situation. Don't, don't try to get them all back at once. Yeah, I know. Um, next up, we got the Pack and the Patriots. Another possible game of the week. Yeah, this is, this is going to be an exciting one. Aaron Rodgers played a really, really good game against the Rams last week. He was, he was fiery, to say the least. So I was going to pick the, the, the Packers. I think um, getting rid of Clinton Dix, I think the Patriots are going to be able to uh, um, That's where I'm throw, at. throw on the Packers a bit here. So I'm going to go with the Patriots. In this That's exactly where I'm at. I'm going with the Patriots as well. And then last but not least, the Monday night football game, 8-15, the Titans and the Cowboys. Now this is tough. This one is kind of tough. I think the addition of Amari Cooper kind of makes this thing an interesting uh, little game. I'm going Cowboys. I'm going Titans. Wow, there you go. I think uh, the, the Titans are, are playing good ball. I think the Cowboys are, are getting ready to, to kick it up a notch here. So uh, with that, ladies and gentlemen, there's our predictions. And uh, with that, that's our show. Um, I hope everybody enjoyed uh, this edition of the Outside Blitz. We are at episode 18 now, Tyler. We're getting you that Moving episode fast. 20 mark. Yeah. So we've had 18 weeks of a show. It's a good time. Um, you know, second dick. Yeah. So that's for you, Tyler. And, uh, yeah. So thank you so much for everybody for listening. Um, hope you all have a wonderful week. Enjoy the football this week. Um, just a quick word, special thanks to our, uh, executive producer, Jordan, Jace Gabon. Uh, thank you for everything you do. This guy makes our show just a wonderful, wonderful show week over week. Um, so thank you for all your hard work. Also a special thanks to, IYT Massage, it's your time massage. Amanda Yetta, the most outstanding massage therapist out there. Uh, check her out at IYTMassage.com. Also, you can check her out at It's Your Time Massage on uh, Facebook. And um, check out Jordan's books. Jordan Scavone's books, The Mud Princess and Be My Tea. Excellent children's books. Please make it a point to go check those out if you got kids. They're fantastic, fantastic reads. Uh, beyond that, ladies and gentlemen, that is our show. Tyler, anything else you want to add? I think we're good. We're good. Um, Tyler's going to continue icing uh, his uh, smooth criminals down under. <laughs> and uh, we are going to uh, see you guys next week. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next week right here 
on the Outside Blitz. Join us soon on the Outside Blitz, and be sure to follow on Facebook at facebook.com backslash the Outside Blitz, and feel free to email us questions at theoutsideblitz at gmail.com.